All right. Welcome back to another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. You have myself, Troop Scout leader, Dustin Lays with Beef, across from me in the clubhouse today. This is Dennis Wall smoking guns. <laughs> I mean, denim wall on the patch. Again, this is like week, f- this is the first day of week five. Good on you. That's, that's a long stretch. Yeah, uh, that's even- how long it's been since we had an episode recorded. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's some shit. Um, in between the two wall boys, you have myself, I'm Miles, a.k.a. Chief. Runs with bins. And joining us in the clubhouse today, a new member of the clubhouse who you have not yet heard. His name is Ryan Fixing Bear, the clubhouse handyman. Hey, thanks for having me, boys. No, don't crack that! <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to, uh, to want to crack it. It's an instinct. You shouldn't have finished your mojito so fast. <laughs> it was going down smooth. Yeah, we had the pleasure of uh, the historian making us uh, mojitos before we started this mm-hmm. Thanks, D. Those are uh, straight-up delicious. No, nothing but the best. And you'll quickly learn that uh, Fixing Bear is the thirstiest one in the clubhouse. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so uh, before we get any farther, let's kick this meeting off with the straight arrow oath. For those of you in scout uniform, three-finger salute. Those listening at home in civilian clothes, hand over your heart and repeat after the historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow always tips his pump jockey. And a straight arrow is always against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table, Wimatanya? Wimatanya! Beauty. Crisp. I think uh, we have a new face in the clubhouse today. Denim, what you... uh pouring into a glass there <laughs> freaking me out <laughs> oh, well i got this glass here from connor it's very nice what's um, in the can <laughs> uh oh this is a fernie uh golden ale 3300 it is smooth and easy drinking to be honest with you i haven't even tried it yet okay well let's do a taste test right fucking now all right <laughs> aerate it warm it up Looking good. Throw it down. That's good. That's, That's good. good. Yeah. I like it. Uh, could you give me a number out of 10, please? Um, 3,300. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Fucking all right. Uh, I got a day trip today in the uh, clubhouse, Stanley Park Brewing. Uh, I believe uh, this one has been creeping into the clubhouse quite frequently, and uh, mm-hmm. it's delicious. Uh, thank you, uh, Fixing Bear. <laughs> You're never going to remember. Never going to remember. No worries. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And, uh... In between the two day trips, <laughs> I have a Philips Solaris peach wheat ale, and it is nice as always. That's the triumphant return, we might even say. Yeah, the um, actually the woman at the liquor store was telling me uh, the black currant one is the winter mm-hmm. edition, mm-hmm. and now so we got the summertime comeback, which is great. I think our actually our clocks change tonight, don't they? No. Yeah, they do. What? Spring yeah. forward, baby. Spring yeah. forward, even though it snowed today. Yeah, that was pretty weird. <laughs> the clocks changed forward, so they aren't changing back now. That's hopefully, hopefully. I thought they said they weren't. We got to get California, Wait, Oregon, you, and Washington. You don't like it? I fucking hate daylight savings. Oh, I thought you would like it more than anybody because you drive. No, it man, I hate it. Whole thing. You just get tired and shitty. And oh, I, 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 I want it because, because uh, I like, because I like driving in the like, light. Oh yeah, I like Alberni. I like driving in the dark because I can sing as loud as I want and no one can see me singing. So well, your problem sense. is that you worry when other people are around. <laughs> I, I, I sing when everybody's trying to sleep in that van. <laughs> it's the only thing to keep myself awake. Fair enough. 
but so I just wanted to thank everybody for coming back into the clubhouse for another meeting. And uh, I wanted to thank you listeners. So let's start a little segment we call our listener feedback. Some of you out there may have noticed that we made a couple posts on our social media about the last episode. We just wanted to address that post. We still stand by our statements and what we said, but we wanted to go ahead and thank you for all of the amazing comments, feedback, and and interaction that we had between you all and between us. Because uh, any conversation is constructive when we're talking about King of the Hill. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, as though opinions may differ and and feelings may become strong and and strained when it comes to certain characters, uh, I just want to just bring us all back to loving the show because that's what we do <laughs> that- we love this show and, and we're so happy that you all love it too so mm-hmm. passionately mm-hmm. so thank you it, it was our most uh, <laughs> commented on uh, post yet and uh, we just want to keep that going mm-hmm. it was great I think uh, a lot of people's uh, immediate reactions was like that somehow we disliked the show as a whole all of a sudden <laughs> and we're, not, we're, we're still massive King of the Hill fans we're entitled to dislike a few episodes here and there just like you are and thank you for sharing your guys' opinions on what you like and don't like and uh, we'll have uh, many more discussions in the future anything more to add Mr. Historian? I bought this game today <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> so that ends our listener feedback on the switch. <laughs> so moving on. I did. Uh, yeah. No, I don't. Nobody's denying that. Sign because it's a joke. <laughs> How many copies of this game do you have? Okay. Th- that is the. That's the fourth time I've bought it. Okay, and that gives you a little insight, listeners. Um, so <laughs> remind moving... me to kick your ass when this meeting's over. <laughs> well, I haven't played it on the go yet. Yeah. So moving on, uh, we should get into some episode info led by our historian. So would you like to take it away? Yeah, I would. This episode is Nine Pretty Darn Angry Men. It is the 42nd episode of King of the Hill. It was first aired on November 17th, 1998, and the name is a pun of the film 12 Angry Men. Yes, it is. I also want to mention this is the 42nd episode. The answer to all things, yeah. the life in the universe. Bingo. That's exactly. Correct. That's it. Is that your favorite number? <clears throat> no, 29 is, but otherwise. You can't bet on 42 on roulette. That's true. Uh, this episode is written by Jim Dotrieve. Uh, who is uh, currently a producer on Bob's Burgers. Me and Jimmy D. <laughs> <laughs> this is his uh, fifth writing credit um, of a total of 15. Episodes he wrote previously were The Son That Got Away, The Company Man, Snow Job, and Junkie Business. Interesting. Highs and lows between them all. I was yeah. going to say, that's, yeah, a good, that's a good mix. It's definitely a good mix. I was going to say that this one doesn't have, this episode doesn't have Buck in it. Uh, wow, and those totally other ones right. all heavily buck centric, heavily featured Buck. Yeah, interesting. This episode is directed by Sean Cashman, who's worked on a lot of stuff. I didn't write down much of it. Um, TV and and yeah, animation like and Simpsons kind of, and yeah, okay, everything. Yeah. Kind of how you know, just bunch. Of is stuff. he new to King of the Hill? I don't recognize that name. Uh, he only directed Hank's Dirty Laundry before. Oh, okay. But uh, this is his second of a total of nine. Um, if y'all are wondering, you can check out our merch for Boycott Arlen Video Bumper Stickers. We'll be launching those. <laughs> I'll get one. It's copyrighted. 
<laughs> Thank you for that, historian. And we'll pass it over to our guest, uh, the clubhouse handyman, for the synopsis. On the day after Thanksgiving, Hank attends a lawnmower focus group. Damn right he does. So let's get into this episode. All right. Now, this episode starts, there's no cold open. We see the guys in the alley, as we often do. This time, it's a little different. Hank is sitting on his lawnmower, and fuck, is he ever proud of his Mason 1500. He's humbly bragging to the guys about how maintenance-free, and if he was on a desert island, it's the only <laughs> mower he'd ever want to be stranded I, with. I couldn't help but just picture Hank on a deserted island, and it would just be like... <laughs> perfectly maintained, yeah. like log cabin, perfectly built. You'd be completely content. You know, if like, like say a plane was flying overhead, and you know how like you'd write a message in the sand that say help, it would be like need topsoil. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture him pulling the Debbie and just raising his coffee mug that he's made out of bamboo at the plane, just <laughs> fixing bear. What would be your, what's your desert island mower? My desert. Island mower, probably a Husqvarna. Husky hey. Oh. That's what I got. It's pretty. It's pretty dope. I can't sit on it though. It's a push mower. So, hey, we all can't live in the lap of luxury. No, I got no, a craftsman. no. <laughs> I got three of them. Nice. <laughs> they don't all work all the time. <laughs> all three of them put together, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> you own everything in four, so when you get your yeah. next one. <laughs> no, the the it was it did come in real handy to have them scrap mowers because <laughs> I was like I was steering and then it just the 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 hub just fucking buckled and just broke right off and the wheel was just spinning on the hub. Oh, perfect. And uh, I just went and grabbed a new what, hub off the. What's the radius on that thing? Couple degrees, a couple yeah. degrees, pretty yeah. wide. Well, it's safe, it's pretty right? wide. Safety. Yeah, it's pretty wide. Um, but of course, as Hank's uh, discussing his, you know, dream lawnmowers, uh, <laughs> our friend Bill is hinting at uh, how uh, they're gonna have so much fun. Him, Boomhauer, and Dale at the focus group. I love how Dale's hyping up Hank's wheels. He's like, "You're gonna kill it at that mower." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then Hank has to explain to him what a focus group is. <laughs> Now, Dale, a focus group is not a competition. It's a chance for the informed lawnmower consumer to give valuable input to the Mason Corporation in a comfortable mall setting. <laughs> That's exactly right. Like, yeah. it really is. Mall settings are not comfortable. I think Hank's kind of cheated himself on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I mean, like, jumping ahead a little bit, uh, I was quite impressed with the actual place that they put them in. I was expecting mm -hmm. just a small cubicle in front of a Walmart, mm -hmm. which is, you know, where usually things get set up. The guys are out there in the alley still, and uh, they're interrupted by none other than Tilly Hill. Mm -hmm. Hank, you asked me to tell you when Celine Dion is off the field. She's off. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> now, you guys remember um, from Peggy's Turtle Song. It's the last time we saw Tilly Hill, mm -hmm. and she was voiced by Tammy, Tammy Wynette. Wynette. And I knew it was some mm -hmm. country. And, that and was, then I remember we mentioned that was the last of it, right? Yes, she passed away after, just after that episode aired. So now in season three, it is an actress we've talked about before, uh, or I talked about in that episode. Jessica Alba? Uh, Ooh, no, act, it on does, air. does oh. sound like her. does sound like her. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, her name's Beth Grant. Um, I, didn't, I didn't get into her because I talked about her in um, Peggy's Turtle Song, but she is the voice of Tilly Hill from this episode and moving forward because of, as I mentioned, the unfortunate passing of Mrs. Tammy Wynette. Um, but could you guys tell a difference? Well, yes, I could tell a difference. Could you? I could. I was, well, I mean, I also knew it, so I was, like, watching for it, but I could tell a difference. 
Yes. It did sound like she was kind of less southern. Yeah. At least in my opinion, it sounded like she had you know less of that. It was tonality. To it was her. more raspy. I f- I felt and less uh, actual. Yeah. It felt southern punch. It felt more old lady and less you know uh, Mrs. Shipper. Mm-hmm. And um, Hank also after that he talks about how great moms are and how he's so thankful that it's this year it's his mom's turn to be in mm-hmm. Arlen for Thanksgiving. But right about this point, someone shows up. Yeah. None other than our favorite. Cotton Hill. You lawn jockeys were standing here when I left two months ago. <laughs> Pathetic. <laughs> He's always got the best chirps when he comes there. <laughs> yeah. Especially when it's coming towards Hank's mom. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And, ruthless in this one. And, and it sucks because, like, listening to, you know, Hank talk about his mom, like, I think me and Tilly, you know, I, I align with her. Like, I like dark meat. Like I, yeah, I dig it. I'm all about the dark meat when it comes it. to Thanksgiving. I mean, I like a mix, but I dig the dark meat. 100%. Yeah. Like, she seems like a great guest to have, and now, uh, you know, the colonel's showing up and just starts ripping into everybody. Mm-hmm. We know what, what's ahead. Yeah, it's it's not going to be good for anyone, especially Tilly. It's going to be used as a footstool. Yeah. <laughs> especially, especially for Tilly, for some reason, Mr. Kasner is nowhere to be seen. That's a good point. Did she even mention it? I it's didn't... not brought up once. They could have just mentioned he's in for his fifth bypass. Yeah, or, all... or he's with his family somewhere yeah. else. Like mm-hmm. it's in Florida or whatever. Because you could tell, like they, they, I don't think the episode could have existed if Gary and Cotton were there. Because Gary told Cotton off the last episode. He goes, "You yeah. don't talk about her like that," you know. Yeah, he did, and he was like, "I'm standing down." <laughs> yeah. That that actually makes sense. So probably just to avoid any mm-hmm. sort of like, oh well, what well, we, what do we do? Supposed to be there, and I don't know. That's yeah, that's weird. Maybe because like if they knew Cotton, if he knew Cotton was coming, he could have been like, oh, let's not go. But I then... guess we'll see if she if he comes up again. Yeah, let's hope so because mm-hmm. I I really liked Gary as a character and like he... I feel that one might have been a deleted scene, the explanation uh... for uh, where Gary is, but maybe fair enough. It does open up some more chirps from Cotton though. <laughs> yeah, it definitely leaves him all the availability. And uh, I just wanted to mention uh, Dee Dee's shirt. Uh, she's still pregnant. Oh, I couldn't read all of it. It says occupied with a picture of a baby on it. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Not much money for shopping, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, they're doing all the shopping tomorrow for Black Friday. I'm thinking maybe it was just a ploy to get in for uh, Black Friday, a ride to the mall. I was really disappointed Cotton didn't call Bill Fatty. Usually that's his, yeah, usually. one of his first lines. I'm also a little disappointed that I haven't heard him call him Brooklyn in a while. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminded me of you guys. <laughs> I miss Fat. So now, uh, obviously, that Cotton's pulled up, we uh, we get a shot of Hank and Peggy uh, setting the table for dinner in the dining room, and uh, Hank's putting in the leaf to the dining room. Table. They're putting in another leaf. It like yeah, it's two, two leafs. That's correct. And That's a double leafer. <laughs> it is a double leafer. They need the space because I don't think we mentioned that the reason Bill wasn't originally invited to oh, the focus group course, is yeah. because he is invited for Thanksgiving dinner. Hank didn't want him to get sick of him. Bill says some very morbid quotes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and actually I'm glad that you brought it up because like I just kind of noticed a reoccurring reference to like heaven and hell and Christianity in this episode. There's a lot of it. I don't know if it has to do with Thanksgiving. Uh, because I know that they come, never mind. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, it, it is something that was brought up and I'm glad you mentioned it because, uh, Bill does get himself an invitation to the focus group mm-hmm. during that alley scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, but now uh, while Hank and Peggy are setting up, Peggy uh, has this uh, reference. Your father is going to ruin this Thanksgiving as surely as Squanto and his band of Indians ruined the first one. I've been faced with some challenges uh, against my research quality. <laughs> so, <laughs> why did you look up Squanto? I looked up Squanto. Okay. I looked up Squanto too, and I, have I a bunch swiftly on didn't write anything oh, down. Oh, we all got stuff on Squanto. I mean, you probably have more. I mean, I don't. I. I did, it was passion research, so I didn't write a lot of it down. I just watched <laughs> a lot of videos and read a lot. Squanto was a go-between for natives in South New England and the Mayflower Pilgrims who built their settlement at Squanto's people's summer village. The tribe was wiped out by an epidemic. Squanto was kidnapped by an English explorer, Thomas Hunt, who carried him to Spain, where he sold them in the city of Malaga. Don't know how to pronounce it, but uh, by selling somebody that is technically a slave. So they sold him as a slave. He was among a number of captives bought by local monks who focused on their education, especially in the field of Christianity. Squanto eventually traveled to England, then returned to America in 1619 to his native village, only to find that his tribe had been wiped out by an epidemic infection, and he was the last of the Pawtuxets. So when he came back to his village and he realized that everybody was gone, he kind of sided with a nearby village and became their their translator between the. Uh, the he the he pe- really helped the sorry. No, yeah, yeah. He really helped out those new settlers. Like there was food shortages, and he taught them how to like grow mm-hmm. maize and like other like uh, North American crops. crops that, yeah, that that would flourish because like they were they were in total dire straits. By maize, you mean corn? Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> we do not say that name around here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> if we do, it's with a K. I want to know more about these monks who are just buying slaves to educate them and send them free. Yeah, I mean, that's like, pretty. I mean, that's pretty. Like what? Pretty admirable. It's like you know, t- it, to be a slave. Like that's a pretty choice, master. No like, doubt. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? I mean, I like, it's interesting, but there's just so little focus on this. Mm-hmm. There is. It's all about him coming back and then being the go-between and yeah. like. Uh, so these monks just like. Did they? Was he also a slave for them? Do you think? Or I'm not sure because you'd think like a monk wouldn't really be all about slavery. Like as far as I read, maybe just they, a disciple. They were just as curious to learn from him as they were to teach him. Makes like, sense. Like I mean, he's a, basically a new person, like new peoples on the planet, and they're yeah, I guess so. You know, but, but uh, he met his untimely end. Well, wait. He let the power go to his head first. Did he? Squanto? Squanto. Not my Squanto. No, yeah, your Squanto, our Squanto, the Squanto. He was the go-between between, you know, the the settlers and uh, the the tribes. And uh, he was like, well, I basically control what these people do. I am going to, you know, convince them that, like, I'm going to be the leader of this tribe now. And then the leader, I can't remember his name. I didn't write it down. And I probably butchered the pronunciation. But he got word of this. And uh, he basically told the settlers, like, give over Squanto because in the in the treaty that we came up with, I'm allowed to reprimand my people as I wish, and I feel like he's being, you know, uh, treasonous. So mm-hmm. give him back. And then, like, it was kind of, you know, the timing was good that when they were trying to do that, another ship showed up of more settlers, and the, the tribesmen were like, okay, well, we're going to just fuck off for right now because we're outnumbered. Um, and then uh, eventually just more and more tribes people came. But yeah, you're right. So, uh, do you want to go on about the, the death of? Well, he was working as uh, as he a died? Na- as a navigator, I believe. Like he was helping uh, the new peoples um, navigate 
treacherous waters and points and places that he had been to before. The Spaniards. Uh, I guess so. Were they Spaniards? I can't remember. Either way, some when he was on the when he was on the ship, he developed something which the new people referred to as Indian fever, which Small I don't box. what it actually was. Yeah, who knows? Definitely. SARS. No, it's just like they're just dumb. Like, like it it wasn't a thing. That's just what they said because oh. it was just like to make it seem okay. Like, oh shit! Like this is what he had. This is what happens. But I don't know about you guys, but I couldn't find any connection to Thanksgiving. With Mr. Squanto, did he ever? Did he get to? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he did. So, and that one time that they got to celebrate is when they made that treaty uh, between um, the Wampanoag and the the separatist settlers. Uh, He was the one who sat down between the chief and uh, William, whatever his name was, and discussed a treaty and basically said, "Hey, let's protect each other from all the other tribes, and we're going to create an alliance between us. We will trade." And if you get attacked, we'll help and vice versa. And then when that treaty was kind of signed, that's when they had the three-day feast. Uh, the uh, Wampanoag, they brought uh, they brought three deers over for everybody to eat. So that's why we get a long weekend on Thanksgiving. <laughs> three deers, three days. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was like uh, – it, it was a big celebration. They ate, they ate deer. They didn't eat turkeys. No, they ate deer, it sounded like. Did they watch football? <laughs> what was that game that we learned about baseball no we learned about a game <laughs> no it was like the horses and they have the roll the stick polo no the roll the stick game it, yeah we learned it about like the, it the, that was magic school bus no it was it was the indigenous game where they roll a, uh, i'm pretty sure that's an episode of magic school bus. well whatever i'm sure I'm it's pretty both. sure it's not <laughs> i regardless whether they watch football or not uh, they had this celebration, and that is what Peggy is referring to, is because that was the only time they ever had it. Uh, because when more settlers came, uh, more tensions rose. And I mean, when I celebrate American Thanksgiving, it's that we watch football. I know, Denim. I know. Uh-huh. But, Big uh, Bills fan over here. Hey. <laughs> as uh, as far as our research, I like the shimmy shammies. <laughs> you like the doopy loopies. <laughs> But yeah, if uh, if you've been disappointed in the past with uh, the amount of research I've done or my knowledge of America, prepare to be. <laughs> There's plenty more, plenty more, more where like that it, came it from. It only goes down. From it here. only goes down. Like uh, <laughs> way back inside the Hill House. Oh my I God, love, are we? <laughs> well, yeah. So I love, Thanksgiving dinner. I guess we're having a turkey. Mm-hmm. Because that's what Hank makes. Mm-hmm. I guess Peggy probably makes it. But we can't we can't skip ahead to dinner yet because we can't. Peggy has one of her best lines of the episodes. Oh, yeah. In my opinion. Hank, the day after Thanksgiving is, in my opinion, the biggest shopping day of the year. And I will not spend another year giving Dallas Mavericks crap because the cowboy stuff was all sold out. I love that, Ed. Getting Dallas Mavericks crap (laughs) because the cowboy stuff is all sold out. They didn't even make it to the playoffs that year. (laughs) The Mavericks? Yeah. No. She's so smart and funny. Like, <laughs> well, she's like, she's only saying that because she's like, we have to be in bed by seven thirty because we're up at four to yeah. be, or no, we're leaving at four yeah, to be yeah. at the mall by six. And Hank's like, I've never been up that early in my life unless fish were involved. And Peggy just throws him another beer. <laughs> she's yeah, like, yeah. you're not even trying. You're not even trying. Yeah, he thinks he won't be able to get to bed early enough. But uh, you know, Peggy is right though. Uh, the busiest shopping day of the year is in fact Black Friday, which is the day after Thanksgiving in America. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it is here too. 
recently. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of it's it crossed over. Recently. It's not forever. Our big our big sale day is Boxing Day, mm-hmm. which is the day after Christmas. If you didn't know, now you know. I think they know that. They don't know that. Really? Really. They don't know Boxing Day? No, I've been on vacation and they did not know what Boxing Day was. Damn. When do they put away their Christmas? How do they know when to put away their Christmas decorations? <laughs> in January, I guess. Um, so we're having a turkey in the Hank Hill house. And Cotton's plate isn't filled with sausage, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> no, he actually he's subjected to eat what everyone else is eating this time. That's right. And fuck, does he make a stink about it? But before he does, dear Lord, we are grateful that Cotton has forgotten our carefully worked out holiday parent rotation schedule, <laughs> so that we may all be together on this day. Amen. Amen. <laughs> but, uh, Cotton's first bites. Uh, they're not going down so good. Oh. <laughs> He's got a problem with the stuffing. <laughs> Killy, did you make this stuffing? Does it taste like garbage? <laughs> Those noises he makes while he's chewing? He sounds like a pig. Like yeah. <laughs> So many emotions in those noises that he's just cycling through. And like, until... We find out at the end of this dinner scene, I thought he was just being an ass, but apparently <laughs> the stuffing wasn't very good. Well, he outranks Bill, so Bill has to agree. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's army code. Point. But I like, yeah, <laughs> this episode, this dinner is where we start to see that Cotton's disrespect towards Hank's mother is, like, really putting a wedge between Hank and his mother, and Hank has no fucking idea. Well, this is, like... I feel this episode was almost like a like a next level of Cotton being. An oh, ass. he was on. Like, he was unbearable. He was such an asshole. It's almost to the point where it's not even really that funny. And I think they they kind of nailed that with the that she was lame in the set comment where mm-hmm. it was yeah. just that like, awkward oh, pause. Like, like you don't even the Hank music. Just, this like, isn't playful. And anymore, Hank just yeah. refuses to. Well, it's because Cotton is angry. Mm-hmm. Every other time is because Cotton is just he doesn't care. Yeah, he's just being I like himself. That he acts like nobody heard him. Yeah, repeats it. Yeah, and it, and it's like and it's tough because imagine like being Tilly and like you were married to this man for however many years. He literally used her as a footstool. Yeah, and, he did. <laughs> and now you're like you're all ready for just like a nice family dinner with you know your son and his whole family and uh, his neighbor and Bill. Yeah. <laughs> But then Cotton comes in and just starts bringing up old stuff that I'm sure she heard a thousand times, too. I ever tell you about the town she tried to poison me with a baked chicken? <sighs> it was chicken almondine. It was cyanide, woman. <laughs> I looked up chicken almondine. There's no L in almondine. It's not almondine, even though there's almonds in it. Ah. It's almondine. Where's it from? Uh. Sounds like an old-fashioned... Uh... Dish. Yeah, it does. Is that what I cooked for us tonight? No, oh. you cooked chicken on my wings. Yeah, yeah. Dude. yeah. And they were nice. They were good. Uh, but it was funny because like I was like, okay, how do you make this? And like I watched a, a recipe on YouTube, and it was as like shredded. Do. Yeah, as I do, and it was shredded chicken and, and almond uh, slices. You shred the chicken? I mean, that's what this lady did. And it was funny because one of the top comments was. Did I ever tell you about the time she tried to poison me with chips? Yes. yes. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, somebody did it too. That's this so awesome. second Super episode awesome. in a row with a YouTube comment that has brought it been brought. Yeah. We've been brought there by King of the Hill. I'm uh, I'm gonna keep on searching for those. So that was good. But one thing I definitely noticed at this scene, while 
Kong's making everyone uncomfortable. He's telling Bobby to leave the room. He's just like just saying some offside things. Is Peggy gets off scot free if Timmy's around? There's no Hank's wife comments. There's no chirping oh of Peggy. God. There was still a couple Hank's wife comments. Was there? <laughs> yeah. When? Wasn't there? I don't think so. I can't. I didn't understand what he said, but I thought he said Hank's wife's uh, whatever. Oh no, I I don't know. In I didn't... the in the meet when they all meet up in the focus group. That's what the word. Oh maybe I don't I didn't remember it. But at least at the dinner time, uh, Peggy is spared by any of Cotton's uh, yeah. abuse. Well, for all we know. Peggy did make the stuffing, and she probably did. Oh, yeah, but there's one fan of the stuffing at the table. Bill. <laughs> even like even though Cotton is just being straight up rude to Tilly, Hank, and she's like kind of looking to Hank to be a fucking man about it, and Hank, Hank, the best he can get out is... Can you at least be decent to mom while well, Bobby's, Bobby's in the room? Yeah. Which <laughs> reminds me a lot of that other scene that yeah. we saw. Well, yeah. We was using four layers of protection and my men still got through. Please, Dad, there's a child present. Oh, she's my wife, Hank. She was there when it happened. Ain't that right, baby cakes? It's cotton at the dinner table. It's the just... colonel demands respect at the table. <laughs> Yes, no doubt. But yeah, I like how then he asks Bobby to leave. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you heard him, exactly. Bobby. Leave the room. Yeah, Bobby gets up. <laughs> but like, really, like usually, like I love caught episodes. Usually they're so funny, but at this point it's just like, hey, come on, that's yeah, you're pushing be. it, and he just keep it just keeps getting more and more just rude. And a lot of it comes from Tilly just being so sweet and innocent, not deserving of any of this punishment, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Luckily, she's got her, or usually. She's got that baby blue on yellow tracksuit bodyguard, Gary. <laughs> she was, like, wearing the same thing yeah. in this episode. The Arizona dress code. <laughs> I guess so. It just weirded me out a little bit. And it finally gets to the point. It's, it's, it's like, awkward when Cotton finally says, like, she's lame in the sack. And everyone kind of yeah. looks at Hank, and Hank just buries his face in his hands. Cotton's looking, looking for that line. And then he found it, and he needed to cross it. Oh yeah, a he's couple like, times. yeah. He, he was like, okay, I'm not pushing any buttons, not pushing any buttons, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna cross the line. But as always, Bill is there to say something irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, to ease the situation. To the stuffing might taste like garbage, but it sure fills you. <laughs> Following Thanksgiving dinner, uh, if everyone's in bed when Peggy wanted them to be, it's around seven thirty, eight o'clock. But Hank's trying to go to bed, and he's annoyed by Peggy. She's got her itty-bitty headlamp on, and she's clipping coupons because apparently six miles over Texas will eat you alive if you don't come prepared. Exactly. That's right. She takes this very, very seriously. She also goes on to uh, let Hank know that he defended Troy Aikman more than he defended his own mother because Hank's so passive about it. He's like, oh, I think Mom had a good time, like whatever he says. Mom seemed to enjoy herself tonight. You defended Troy Aikman more than you defended your mother. Mom knows how it is with Dad. And there were six dropped passes. All Troy can do is get it there. (laughs) And, I mean, I looked up the stats for the... uh, I actually watched footage of that 1998 Dallas Cowboys-Minnesota Vikings Thanksgiving game. What was the outcome? Uh, It was 36-46 for the Vikings. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, obviously it had a lot to do with the amount of complete passes by Troy Aikman because uh, Hank mentioned that there were six passes dropped 
when there was uh, 23 total incomplete passes by Troy that day. So it sounded like he was off his game, but it was funny because when I was watching, he made some beautiful plays. Yeah, like but you're watching highlights. No, I watched the full game. Oh, Two hour. Okay. Somebody uploaded the entire game, and I would just like skip to the start of every play. I just play. like to take a second to thank that individual. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's pretty much what all the comments said in YouTube were just like, "Thank you for this person just uploading," because he does it for multiple games. Well, I did it when I was watching NASCAR. There was somebody who just uploaded all the NASCAR, like any NASCAR was up there, and I was like, "What the fuck? Like, like, why? <laughs> like three hours? Like why?" But uh, thank you. Yeah, like, totally. Why? Ninety-eight was a good year for that. <laughs> I, yeah, it was the ninety-eight Daytona Five Hundred. But anyways, I do want to touch on the fact that Peggy was emotionally intelligent enough to recognize the ignorance of Hank and state the needs that Tilly has. Of like, she wants you to stand up for her. Ladybird, like, fucking un- has the un- understanding. Yeah, <laughs> Peggy is smart. Yeah, independent. She's pretty smart. It's smart. <laughs> and uh, Tilly pops in to say good night. And she's like, good night, Peggy. Dinner was wonderful. And then she's like, good night, son. And Hank's yeah, still like, so oblivious to like how upset his mother is. But we see Hank go to bed, and Peggy stays up late clipping coupons. And that's a, a little plot line that comes back to bite her in the ass mm-hmm. uh, a little bit onwards in the episode. So we fast forward to the next morning. The next morning, they're all heading into the car. And Cotton's got another banger line that he's got to drop on Tilly. <laughs> good morning. I hope we wasn't too loud last night. <laughs> Such an ass. Yeah. Like he's like, pregnant. <laughs> yeah, like, and like they're in Bobby's room or maybe Luann's room. I don't know where they were sleeping. And everybody just ignores it, which Such I mean is the best ass. thing to do when it comes to him. Tilly is not getting a break this episode. No, mm. she's definitely not. She's hearing about it all. You know he just turned up the Andrew sisters and fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> They're like walking out towards the car. They're like marching single file. And Luann has one of the most untrue statements of all time oh, ever oh. said. We're going to go meet guys. I'm the bait. What? Guys love single moms. <laughs> Hank's like, what? (laughs) And we notice that Hank is wearing his suit. Um, I think we lost last seen him wear that at Buckley's funeral. So dapper. A more focused group is on is pretty appropriate place. He's like the responsible consumer. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's exactly right because he takes this so very seriously. And and the suit just emphasizes that, right? How well all the boys seem to be taking it quite seriously. Yeah, they look fine. Like like when they're walking down the hall, we'll get to it. But I mean, like, damn, they put themselves together. So I didn't watch Twelve Angry Men. I watched a plot summary. Is it about men in suits? So it is about twelve uh, jurors. Like they're a jury. Okay. And uh, there's a case about a son murdering his father, and they. Uh, are all convinced that he's guilty except for one man. One is that man. Frank Sinatra? No, it's not Frank, Frank Sinatra. Is Frank Sinatra in it? He's not. Oh. But uh, so basically the, all the jurors are unnamed throughout the film, and it's just like juror number one, number two, blah, blah, blah. And just number eight just says like, you know what? He's not guilty. And then he states his case, and then he does what Hank does. And he's just like, well, this is why I think reason A. And then three guys are like, that's a good point. I'm on his side. 
and then he comes up with his reason B, and then gets more guys on his side. I wish I watched the movie now. And then it all works out to the last guy, who's a very angry man, and he's very against it, and he leads this huge monologue that's really famous. Uh, I'll just go YouTube it. It's it's pretty powerful. I'm gonna and take I mean, this thing out, and if you're not on it, you're gonna regret it. Maybe not tonight. That <laughs> that line, that bit. Uh, no, no, it's not that. No, right. it, it's about. Uh, it, it ends with him saying not guilty and agreeing with the rest of the angry men, and uh, they all get to go home to their lives, saying that this guy's. Wow, not guilty. spoilers! I almost wanted to watch it. <laughs> Sorry. Connor's uh, the last angry man for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's he's the parallel that they're drawing. So is I that like that. I, didn't, the, I wish I'd seen the movie now. Um, I'm sure you could still watch it and still get the... It, it seems like when I... Because I did watch the spoiler and I was like, man, if I watched the full movie, this would be a lot more powerful and I feel like you're still going to get that power if you were to watch the movie knowing how it ends because of the delivery. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff in that film that's like really powerful speaking of you know what i did fall asleep to watching the other day porno rush hour (laughs) but i almost put on the great santini because it was on hollywood uh on the what's that uh Uh, me tv hollywood now hollywood network hollywood's not hollywood sweet is it might be hollywood sweet sweet. Hmm. but uh just to continue on to uh the handyman's point i forgot how much (laughs) old ladies think (laughs) <laughs> you see Tilly and Luann scurry out of Peggy's Buick and yeah, into Hank's truck, but truck. it didn't make sense of all of them being in Peggy's car to begin well, with. There was not enough room. There's six yeah. seats. And there was... They were well, overloading. Let's all be fair. If Cotton wasn't such a fucking disgusting ball to be around, like he could have squished back there. He could have sat on Dee Dee's lap. It's the 90s, man. Yeah, I, at first I thought Bobby was in like the very back, and I said, like, "Oh yeah, that's fun for him." But then you see him, and he's in the front seat. So, yeah, they were definitely squished in there. Who knows? So before we get into the six miles over Texas, uh, we get a quick scene of uh, what that car ride is like because it what a two-hour drive, and yeah. this is pretty much how it goes. Good God, you got a fat neck, Hank. So, Dad, I thought we'd split up at the mall. Uh, are you going to talk the whole way? <laughs> I love that scene because he's got his hand, his arms around Dee Dee and Luann, and Luann's so uncomfortable and pissed off. I'm sure uh, Dee Dee's uncomfortable and pissed off. He's that guy. Like, if Cotton's on your side or he's on your side, then you're great. Like, Bobby has nothing to worry about. But nothing, everyone yeah. else is just like, oh, God, don't look him in the eye. Pretty much. Well, will he say nice? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, then they arrive at the six malls over Texas. Um, this is a uh, – this is sort of – this is, like, I guess real life adjacent in that there is a Six Flags over Texas, which is, if you've ever heard of Six Flags... Six Flags, like, theme park. The It originated in Texas. Right. Six Flags over Texas. We have been to it. It is fucking dope. Where was it? San Antonio? It's in San Antonio, yeah. And it's good. Six Flags over Texas. And I guess it's because... Now I'm going to sound like an idiot because I haven't done my... American research. <laughs> Get ready to be flamed. Cut that out. Cut that out. <laughs> I, but I, 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 I don't know exactly, but I th- want to say at a point there was like six flags because like six f- like p- countries or people and ent- entities like right. tried to hold Texas at once or something. It was because it was like the Republic of Texas. Um, 
That's what. So the Six Flags, although you can find one in Toronto, there's they all they, the Six Flags has a purpose in Texas. Um, either way, the Six Flags Mall in Arlington, Texas, is close by hmm. the Six Flags. Um, and it was opened in 1970. Uh, it was foreclosed in 2008. Oof. Um, this was after it started, like, since 2002. It was bleeding. It's, like, anchor stores, like JCPenney and mm-hmm. some Dillard's, I think. Yeah. Dillard's I, or something. It was Dillard's. I, I saw a, a picture of 1998 uh, Black Friday At lineup Dillard's, outside yeah. of Dillard's. Yeah. It, and, yeah, so I guess I think it might have even been the Dillard's that closed in, like, 2016 but like the only thing that was running there was like a big box store and then a movie theater which showed first run movies at pre at discount prices oh (laughs) nice it was it was like a dead mall with a movie theater (laughs) that sounds like rutherford rutherford's thriving Huh. Rutherford is thriving. Hey, you uncultured swine. It's North Nanaimo, Northtown Center. <laughs> now it's rebranded. It's cool. But yeah, so that was so it's not so six malls over Texas. You can't fight. You can't fight in front of the movie theater anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that is I the good the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> that is the good movie theater. Uh, but of course, um, when uh, when the family arrives to six malls over Texas. Uh, we get another killer line from the man himself. Now I'm gonna head down to the corn dog shack and watch the girlies make lemonade. <laughs> like Hank, like it's just so unnecessary for him to tell, like explain to Cotton that they're gonna split up when they get to the mall. Like if Cotton's gonna spend any fucking <laughs> yeah. time with Hank there, he's got his own agenda. He doesn't give a shit. He already knows about the girlies. <laughs> lemonade. <laughs> and then of course, of course, Peggy's soul just. Breaks. And again, this happened to me in Vegas while we were there over the this weekend. This did the wind broke yeah. your soul. So, like the back heel of my shoe was starting to uh, starting to separate just the smallest bit, and like I could tolerate it. But then the wind got so heavy that when I lifted my foot off the ground, the wind caught the sole of my <laughs> shoe and peeled it off, and I was walking soleless. In oh. Vegas for like half the trip. It was well, pretty funny. That's Did what you, you get. Repair shop. No, I just I just dealt with it. That's what you get for wearing lugs to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> but, no lucky, <laughs> but lucky for Peggy, there's a cobbler uh, perfectly situated inside the mall, and um, at first it's a five minute job <laughs> when it's a ladies loafer. It's a ladies, <laughs> ladies loafer, that's a men's loafer. It is a uni loafer. <laughs> okay, size 16 and a half loafer is not a uni loafer. It's a circus loafer. That's an NBA loafer. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so obviously she uh, she's tired, so she has to sit down and, and, and put her feet up while she waits. Her foot. Her foot, yes. Mm-hmm. Singular. And after Peggy sits down to wait for her shoe to get fixed, we get this gangster-ass scene of the guys strutting yes. through the back alleys of the mall, and they're all in their suits. Boomhauer's is especially dope. Boomhauer is so oh, yeah. fly. I, I looked it up. Like, the 90s, uh, the suit 
fashion. It really changed in the '90s. It went from being like like a, like a proper suit, I guess you would say, into like more casual. The suits were baggy. The sleeves would be rolled, rolled up, up, as Boom yeah. Power was. The colors would change frequently. Like red and blue were not like a. I mean, that sounds like uncalled. pretty '90s or '80s also. That that reminds was, me of uh, the suits that we wore to our cousin's wedding. Yeah, we uh, we when we when our first when our cousin who got married first had a wedding. We like Dustin and I were like, well, we need suits, so we we just went and found Dustin found a white one. He wore a pink shirt, and I wore a pink suit with a white shirt. <laughs> and it was I remember those dope. pictures. Yeah. Where'd you find those suits? Were those local? Did you used to order uh, them? The bargain bin. Yeah. Denim found his at the bay. I found mine at the bay in the bargain nice. bin. Big nice. discount in the clearance. Yeah. Nice. We all love some good bay days. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've got. I still got that suit. Mm-hmm. I still got mine. But it's funny. I was looking online because um, I was like, I was trying to actually because I was like, I thought for a moment that Boomhauer was like parodying like a famous person who would wear like a blue suit with like the rolled up sleeves. But mm-hmm. well, that was why I asked about the movie being like, are the mm-hmm. guys in suits in the movie? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they mostly that, are. Like they all yeah, jurors for sure. But and it wasn't necessarily one person. It was it was just the style trends. And I, re- I read an article by that GQ GQ put out like uh, somewhat recently, and it was like it was like the evolution of the suit from when it started in like the twenties and the thirties, and they 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 documented each decade and they got to the 90s and it was like this is an embarrassment for like for suits <laughs> <laughs> they had a picture of pierce Brosnan wearing a suit but instead of dress pants he was wearing what they referred to as mom jeans and it was no. like <laughs> who let him do this <laughs> it was pretty funny but uh no that is funny and you know what's even funnier is when they actually get into the focus group and he's first shocked by none other than Khan. And he's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I love Khan's response. I am everywhere you want to be, Hank Hill. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so smug about it. He's like, it's leftover turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so what are you doing here? Oh, that's so good. And then, uh, of course, immediately Bill and Dale have to use the washroom. And when they return... We find <laughs> that they ran into none other than Cotton Hill in the bathroom, and they may or may not, but definitely may. Mostly told... Bill. Yeah. It's, it's so funny because like, you don't see them leave. You just see, like, because they're with them, and then Hank talks to Con, and I assume this is when they bugger off, but then they come back, and they're like, there's like a hurried discussion between the two of them <laughs> as they're still walking. Hank's like, what's going on? <laughs> You've never seen that before in the series, Bill and Dale having this, like, uh, uh, sidebar yeah, conversation they, that they're they trying never to never really do and if it is a sidebar it's very slow paced mostly may <laughs> <laughs> but uh and of course hank knows what's gonna happen so he rushes to the door dad that was a close one <laughs> now what you're gonna want to do is turn around head out the door and well once you're out the door there really is no wrong turn out to my way oh, <laughs> damn I like that. Once you're out, there's no wrong turn. <laughs> he ain't wrong. <laughs> but, uh, of course, Co- uh, Cotton comes in and just crashes the party. And uh, I like that everybody else in this folks group was invited and they got invitations. Like Hank said, you know, thank you for the invitation. Cotton just walks in and, and the guy is just well, okay with let's it. Also, I do- what I also didn't understand was how Hank invited Bill. And the other guys, so like Hank clearly has some pull. He's a, a in charter member <laughs> in this group because he was the one who was in charge of letting everybody. And we and we do see, um, in the son that got away, 
when Khan is punish, punishing Connie and she's mowing uh, Khan's lawn on his super big fancy mower. So we assume that it was it was red too, right? But mm. apparently it wasn't a mason, but I guess it was if Khan's there. Well, it doesn't necessarily have to be a mason. Wasn't that the point? They're, they were asking them questions it, with the Mason. It was Mason. Well, I, maybe I, I, let me take this time to discuss <laughs> this focus group I was a part of. Okay, I'll hear about it. When I was in Las Vegas, not this most recent time, but a different time. I think it might have been that. Anyway, sometime I was in Vegas. I was wandering around, and, like, my feet were hurting, and I just wanted to go back and, like, sit down somewhere. And then this guy, like, handed me this envelope, and he was all like, hey, do you want to join this this like focus group for uh like a television show like uh you watch a show and then you answer questions about it and i was like yes i can do that all right let's do that <laughs> can i sit down yes <laughs> i could i had to sit down in the waiting room which that is one, great that one kid loves the muscle man <laughs> they had free they had free soda pop <laughs> and nice. uh yeah it was it was i sat down and i watched um uh it was called life in pieces um, it was like a Colin Hanks show that I'll was on. I'll pretend I know who that is. Tom Hanks' son. Guy, yeah. The dude from Orange County. Oh, I remember him. Oh, yeah, Jack Black's buddy. Yes, Jack Black's buddy. Oh, okay. Got them sunglasses. Yes, it's Colin Hanks' son. Anyway, or it's Colin Hanks, Tom Hanks' son. Uh, he's in this show with a bunch of people, and it really isn't a very good show. But uh, I, like, sat down, and I, like, wrote out, and I just watched the episode with a bunch of other random people. And then they just like they'd ask you very specific questions like, when when they went to the store like how did you feel like what did you think what did you think of this character who did you think of this like what was their name like, just like random questions and stuff that they wanted to see if what they showed you the things they were trying to get at hit or not or how yeah. they could improve on what they were unsure of exactly and um and the reason that I bring this up now is just that I think that they wouldn't necessarily because. They wouldn't want only Mason drivers to be there to say what it is. They also want people who drive Husqvarna, who drive import. General consumers. Exactly. You want you want yes, you want some of your Mason customers, but you also want the fancy little import mower drivers and mm-hmm. people who don't diversify. even have a lawn. Yeah. Like what about the people that just want the fifty bucks? <laughs> they, they, That's true. Yeah. Did you I get, don't did want you get them. paid? I got Paid, but not in One, cash. A shiny. <laughs> Did you get paid in Craft DVDs oh. of like? No, no, no. Pieces? It was a hand job, wasn't it? No. <laughs> there was a uh, coupons. Yes. <laughs> coupons. <laughs> coupons. Yeah. Uh, like not Subway bad. and like Jimmy John's, and oh, I only used the Subway. Dude, Man, what a coupon. waste of an hour. <laughs> you, you, you did that for a Subway coupon. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably just 40 minutes. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's not as bad as I thought it would uh, be. I mean, you know, the episode was whatever, 22 minutes, and then he sat down, and, and, I, and I just wanted to sit down. So I was <laughs> yeah, fine no, with it. You got what you wanted. It was kind of fun to, like, it was fun to, to just be like, yo, this show sucks. <laughs> and it's no longer on TV. I feel partially responsible. Fair enough. <laughs> that makes sense, actually. I, uh, I remember in one of my marketing classes, we did a focus group role play, and I just want to say that being a moderator is actually pretty hard work. You I have bet. to deal with a lot of people. Do you feel for Squancho? Uh, not Squancho. Our other homie at uh, Research uh, Associates Incorporated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, can we just take a second? Never mind. No. no okay, just wait. Remind uh, me about him later. I will. But first, I just want to talk about Bill's hat. 
It's oh, a can we damn. Is a we... is that a bowler hat? So that's no, the thing. It's, it's not. not. It's not a bowler hat. I looked it up. I had a couple names in my head that was like, oh, is it a Fordora? Not really. Is it a Trilby? No. Is it a Homburg? No. What I found out it is is a pork pie. That's oh. the type of hat. That's what that it's called. For Bill. Because the that's pork... like that song we listened to today. Rudy can't fail. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the Clash, denim shirt band. Yeah, we'll talk about them later too. But right now we're talking about the pork pie, and the pork pie began to appear in Britain. Uh, as a man's hat, not long after the turn of the century, in the fashion style of the man about town. But its resurgence in the United States in the 1920s is credited to the silent film actor Buster Keaton. That he wore sense. the pork pies, and he loved to take other hats and turn them into pork pies. Uh, but he made like thousands in his time. But uh, he had a very small top to his pork pie, and it wasn't until the 30s when, like, these hats boomed and the, the hats got, like, uh, taller on the top and the brim was more folded, like Bill has, with the little bow tie on the side. And that's the traditional, like, that's what a pork pie would be. And you can tell because uh, the top of it, it has a telescoped crown instead of a creased crown. And uh, Bill pulls it off. Nicely. He looks That's pretty sweet. Good now with that. talk about Cotton's bolo tie. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we talked about bolos before? We yes, have. we certainly have. <laughs> we talked about bolo ties, but yeah, Bill's looking pretty daffer with his matching tie there. He looks like a leprechaun kind of. In, in a way, for sure. Yeah. Don't you ever kind of wish that like wearing like hats like that was yes. really fucking lame? I wish. <laughs> yeah. I like. I love. I'm a hat guy. Like, ball caps are cool, but yeah, I wish I could rock like a. Ball caps are basically where I stick that in toques, but. Maybe 40 years from now we'll be the yeah. weird ones, you know. That would if you're be wearing cool. a hat like that, you gotta dress the part too. Yeah, no yeah, doubt you can't. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no cargo shorts and. <laughs> take a walk down the old city and you'll see it. <laughs> There's always one. There usually is. Mm-hmm. And now we, um, I guess we're in the focus group. We start doing our introductions. Oh my gosh, we do. And it is a colorful cast that they've assembled. I guess it's nine pretty darn well, interesting men. I think it's nine, including the moderator. Uh, so so mm-hmm. eight, really. Um, and the first one that we get introduced. Khan Supernusimpon, I am system analyst. So that's what you do. What kind of systems? Oh, why bother explain? You already in over your head. <laughs> I love how like, sincerely interested Hank is. Yeah, like he's so slumped. Like, like I would only decri- describe Hank as schlumpy right now. Like his shoulders are just like down, his head's down. Mm-hmm. He's he he has to pull up a chair from the side of the Cotton room took his and chair. sit at the corner, and like Cotton's just sprawled out, and he's just so defeated. And he perks up to like learn what Con does for work. And Khan just shuts him down. Like, you, you already are too stupid at just the name of my job. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're already yeah. in over your head. Why bother? <laughs> and the second introduction that we have is reoccurring character, Lane Prattley. You, sir. Uh, Lane Prattley. I own Prattley Ford, Prattley Honda, and uh, got my eye on Prattley Cadillac. My daddy ain't doing so good. <laughs> hey, you sold me an escort once. so um the last episode we did um that masterpiece which is peggy's pageant fever we met lane prattley but as i mentioned i was like i don't think that 
was the same guy because he definitely is different now. He's got mm-hmm. his uh, he's more of that southern gentleman salesman. He's got a a different look, a different feel, and a different voice. I would to I him. would it's buy. It's not a radically different look though, is it? But it's different feel. Different, different feel, feel yeah. yeah. He's more of like a Thatherton now. Before he was just like a car it seem a little bit greasier in the last one. And I'm not saying that he's not greasy now. It seems that he's just a little bit more well-presented. But, like, he was still skinny with that skinny mustache, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess he just had his jacket on and I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Would you buy the optional bag attachment from him? No. Fair enough. I would. <laughs> you got to empty the bag. Game, recognize game. Mm-hmm. You have to empty the bag. Game, recognize game. I love he's always trying to make the sale. <laughs> he, he doesn't care is. what anyone has to say. Yeah, yeah. He is. In this, this edition of Lane Prowley, he's voiced by one of my personal favorites. Um, very underrated in the clubhouse, I would say. <laughs> None other than Mr. Dwight Yoakam. Born October 23, 1956. He's an American singer, songwriter, musician, and actor. Yoakam first became popular in the mid-1980s by pioneering his own style of honky-tonk country music which he refers to as hillbilly music. Johnny Cash... Wow, I can't believe you came up with hillbilly music. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. Johnny Cash once cited Yoakum as his favorite country singer. Time magazine dubbed him a renaissance man, and Vanity Fair declared that Yoakum strides the divide between rock's lust and country's lament. Yoakum has sold over 25 million albums, which includes five number one albums, 12 gold albums, and nine platinum albums, including the triple platinum this time. Yoakum has also maintained a solid acting career, most notably starring as an abusive live-in boyfriend in the 1996 Oscar-winning film Sling Blade, which was written and directed by another star of this episode. Now, who is that? Funny you mention. Haley Joel Osment. No. His name is none other than Billy Bob Thornton. I like them Frank Fried Potatoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> And he is uh, my favorite character in this episode, Boyce Hubert. Boyce Hubert, <laughs> minister. Although I've lost my faith. Of course, I did find a pretty great parking space on my way in. But the Lord works in such mysterious ways. Who the hell knows? <laughs> who the hell knows? I, See, like, honestly don't even... you. I don't even hear Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, I hear him just a yeah, little. After you hear that, it's him. You yeah. hear him, I think. Because it's just a little deeper. Because, like, uh-huh. yeah... You wouldn't notice until someone told you, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, that's, that's Billy Bob Thornton. Now tell us about uh, Billy Bob I mean, Thornton. Uh, I, 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 instead of doing a nice... He killed full... a man with a mower blade. Oh, What's everybody's Billy, favorite Billy Bob Thornton movie? Pay it forward. Ah, uh, shit. Uh, Bad Santa. I'd like to say Bad Santa, but it's probably Sling Blade. I just, it's movie's too fucking good. You? I'm going to have to say Bad Santa as well. It's a pretty good one, right? I think that's where he gets to really come into his own. What else is he in? Bad News Bears. Oh, so many things. Uh, Mr. Woodcock, uh, you know, Sling Blade, blah, blah, blah. He's in Armageddon, Friday Night Lights, Monster's Ball, uh, the first se- uh, the first season of the TV show Fargo. Are you mm-hmm. me? Yeah, the new one. Yeah, the, obviously yeah. the new. Fuck <laughs> 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 you. Which year in the Golden Globe for? I, I fucking love Billy Oh, he's Bob. in he's Armageddon? My... Yeah. Armageddon again. Um, but anyways, I got some fun facts about him. Instead of going into a nice in-depth research as you've done for, uh, Dwight Yoakam, who is well-deserving, uh, Billy Bob, who is a little bit more casual of a guy, I got some fun facts. They're did-you-knows. Okay, you know what? 
Denim, you're supposed to do your research before the episode starts. Are you looking at me? <laughs> no, I just want you to look. Okay. I, I didn't want... kill that little boy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want you guys, uh, let's, let's make this into something kind of fun. Okay, so what is, I'll give you all one guess and then I'll tell you what it is. What is Billy Bob's main phobia? He's afraid of ducks. No. Ugly chicks. No, maybe. No. Um, little kids sitting on Santa's lap. Antiques. <laughs> He's what? a fear of antiques. Seriously? He doesn't like them. He will not. He doesn't like them. Doesn't touch them. Uh, okay. What do you mean? What does he mean? He doesn't. He, he fears antiques. If something's old, he doesn't want it in his house. He doesn't want to be around it. Is he it because it's dirty? I, I'd imagine so. I mean, I didn't go too deep into it. What if it's like a clean antique? He Antique nonetheless. Old shit he's not into. So like... How many years are we talking? How many... Well, yeah. What's an antique? Well, you get an appraiser. You ask him if... Like, just, just old shit. Don't dig into this. I got another question. Right. That's that's interesting because, like, Billy Bob Thornton is one of those actors that you see a lot and you assume he is essentially, like... An antique himself. No. No. Sorry. Like, the like he always plays a drunk, abusive guy. You're like, oh, Billy Bob's a fucking drunk. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, for, he's, like, he's an asshole. Like, you put his picture of him, like, in his, like, acting state, like, at home. But apparently, no, he's a antique freak. <laughs> yeah, he hates him. And do you know who he was married to? Angelina Jolene? Yeah. Did you know that she had a tattoo with his name on her shoulder? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's a regrettable Dude. tattoo. Yeah, yeah, she definitely got it, like, removed and covered Dude. up. Billy Bob was a smooth pimp. He was 20 years older than her. Yeah, that's crazy. I wasn't joking about the hotties. No, you weren't. And, uh, Denim, you might uh, think this is interesting. It's about Angelina Jolie, but do you know what she has tattooed on her neck? Jessica Alba? No. Have you been watching some Jessica Alba <laughs> clips lately or something? Always. Back in my eyelids, always playing honey. <laughs> uh, on, on her she neck. She teaches them to dance! <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, never mind. Get me a beer. Okay, what, what's on his... the back of her neck, she has the gothic lettering for Know Your Rights, which is a Clash song. Oh, that's Ooh. that's pretty sweet. You got any Clash fans in the building? <laughs> I don't know any. Know Your Rights. I don't. Um, Billy, I, Billy Bob. I want the pink one. I don't, Billy Bob got his start in 1992 with a movie that he co-wrote and also starred in. And that movie was called One False Move. Denim, have you seen One False Move before? Oh, man. You guys are all coming after me. Hey? I just, you're the movie guy. No, I haven't seen this. Because I would never heard of it before. I read, did some research about it. It was super low budget. And it was like, when it got made, it, everyone was like, the, the production company was like, okay, this is going to be straight to DVD. And then it got this cult following being screened at like film festivals and like word of mouth. And it actually got released. And apparently it's super cool crime thriller. What's it called again? It's called what? Uh, One False Move. Who's um, the star? Billy Bob? B- Billy Bob Thornton. There was some other like, very <laughs> notable. I think Bill Paxton was in it. I think I want to say it was him. Okay. Like There was like some other, there's some big names in it, but Billy Bob uh, co-wrote it. I with, also uh, like Bill Paxton, not because he was white, but because of his acting. <laughs> <laughs> Another fun fact about Billy Bob Thornton. Remember how I mentioned he was a musician? Huh? Huh? Remember that? Shit's true. He's released four yeah, solo albums. albums. Four. Rock? He's a rocker. Really? He, he's also the front man of a blues rock band called The Box, the Box Masters. Masters. You knew it. You were on Do the you Wikipedia. Song, though? I watched the yeah, music I'm video. Like, Let's Google it. The Box Man. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Let's 
Okay. Uh, remember gonna... when Bart goes to the box factory? <laughs> and the box is wearing a little red hat. <laughs> Homer comes home and he's like, Marge, I have terrible news. That's horrifying, terrible news. And then Bart just walks and he's like, nothing. <laughs> Oh boy, is a box. <laughs> I fucking watched that episode not long ago. I fucking cried laughing about it. It was the funniest thing. Dis- I thought it was the funniest thing because Homer didn't have to explain <laughs> it. Disney Plus is playing fucking dividends. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Allie's on like, I know, well, it's on, so it's weird because Hulu owns... Who, sorry, Disney owns Hulu, yeah. and Hulu streams King of the Hill, and Disney owns King of the Hill. Okay. But Hulu isn't streamable in Canada. It's only in the U.S. Ooh. So, like, I don't know. We don't have it. We're, we're behind the times <clears throat> in Canada. But, uh, okay, so we got through our two main guest stars, really. And they work great together. They are awesome, and I love them in this focus group. And I will say that any time that uh, Billy Bob's character, Boyce, speaks, I'm loving it. I think he is hilarious. I like this man's backstory. Mm-hmm. I think he's very interesting. I like that he gives it up without anyone asking. It <laughs> <laughs> is very true. Uh, but, of course, as if we kind of go back into the scene of where we really are, uh, we're going around the table doing introductions, and wow, now we're still here. Hey? Yeah, <laughs> so now uh, it's Hank's turn to speak. Uh, my name's Hank Hill, and I he runs a gas station. Next, I'm Cotton Hill. <laughs> I killed fifty men. <laughs> I wonder what notes he put down there. Yeah. <laughs> I think after that uh, is uh, Dale. I mean. Rusty Shackleford. Is that a real computer? Yes. Oh, in that case, my name is Rusty Shackleford. Shackleford. What I was going to mention earlier is this is the second time in the series that Dale refers to himself as Rusty Shackleford. The first time being Hank's Dirty Laundry, which was also directed by that dude who Sean did this. Cashman. Yeah. Is uh, is that the only other time? It is. Really. Because that's the only; these are the only two that have involved computers so far. It's only when like the met, the beast, the yeah. network is being when involved. The beast. Yeah, he won't put his uh, proper name down, and um. Huh. Yeah, that's funny. I, because when Ryan and I were watching it, Ryan was like, "Is that the first time that it was said?" I was like, "No, it was definitely not." But I thought it was used a few times. It's a thing because I think they hit a point in the series. It might even be next season, maybe even this season, where it's like every single episode, or if there's that. a there's a Rusty Jackford reference. But at this point, yeah, it's still super new, and it's always surprising to me because it is so funny. Like I thought, like any like new writer would be like, I want to run with this. Like this is such a good gag, but not to. Yeah, be. I wonder if uh, the Cash Man had anything to. Had anything to do Could with it? Be. He's just like, hey, everybody, hold off. Let me do the next Rusty yeah. show. Maybe he'll answer some of our emails. <laughs> yeah, he might. <laughs> um, but next up, we have none other than the big man, mm-hmm. uh, Boomhauer. And I know the historian was very interested to hear what Boomhauer had to say about him. Hey, you just go ahead and call me Boomhauer, man. It'll be like, my last name, you know. You had done a lot of different things, you know. Had a job now back there, and then company, you know, the settlement, man, I'll get a works comp too, man. It's tax free, man. So does he vaccinate fish in this summer? (laughs) (laughs) 
It's tax free. <laughs> Dang old winter's off, man. But I, I like, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening God. at home, denim vaccinates fish in the summertime. <laughs> He's a fish poker. Works for tips. <laughs> Damn good time. So, Denim, if you had no more further comments... I do! Then let it lay it I was going to say that he's obviously not a Texas Ranger. No. At this point in time, no, he's not. I mean... He's <laughs> only a Texas Ranger for a second in the last episode because the writers didn't know what to do. The idea of him being on workers' comp for 13 years is so much funnier. Way better. <laughs> And much more, much more realistic. But this is good. We're dis- we're dissecting this voice clip because I mean, the thought that Boomhar was a Texas Ranger is just absurd. And this is just more concrete evidence. That was just such an afterthought and such a badly such a timed well, joke. I mean, just me being my opinion, uh, as it is the virgin to those series, saying like this is as far as we are now is as far as I know. Mm-hmm. And so if I was to just deduce my own, not knowing that in the last episode that happened. I'm thinking that he is just uh, he's just feeding off of those those checks, those government checks. I mean, it makes sense. And I'm, that's an what I'm going to continue to believe. And finally, who else to introduce but a man who needs no introduction but gives himself one? Okay, uh, you, sir. I'm Bill Dotrieve. I'm a sergeant barber in the United States Army. I'm five foot eight and three quarters inches tall. My wife Lenore divorced me in the year of our Lord, nineteen hundred and ninety-one. That's about it. Good year. <laughs> That's a good year. That's about it. Uh, Damn fine things. year. A couple things. I thought he was just an army barber. Now he's a sergeant barber. Mm-hmm. Not sure if that was uh, if that's well, a technicality. Within the barber, they have oh, their own hair. Oh, he is a hire. sergeant. <laughs> it doesn't a... translate. I thought he just cut sergeant's hair. Like no. only the sergeant. It doesn't. And it doesn't translate to the rest of the corpse. Okay, I we've thought he was seen, exaggerating. We've seen him shave rookies. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I thought he was exaggerating, being like, "I'm in front of other men, and I need to make myself feel seem more important." No. And then I don't know what's a sergeant. Is sergeant higher? Is that low? It's pretty high. It's high, but it's not the highest. Like, like think of like a drill sergeant. Of yeah. I think of him as like not like a commander or a corporal or a captain or anything like and that, but he's like above the private. What's a captain? Well, there's that one episode where Bill refers to like, he goes, you get a lot of trouble to talk to someone like that, even if they're, even if you're their commanding officer. So like there's. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he does say, yeah. Okay. And uh, the second thing is that. We're all taller than Bill. <laughs> hey, I think so. You're all, t- everybody's taller than five, eight and three quarters. Fuck, Bill is a prick. Not everybody. <laughs> How tall are you? I don't know. You're, you're you five, know. nine. Well, I was five, eight, five, nine. I, sometimes I get measured and I'm five, eight. Sometimes I get measured and I'm five, nine. Let's Depends what shoes nine. you're wearing. Depends <laughs> the shoes I'm wearing. <laughs> Let's say you're five, nine. All right. I'm five, nine. It We're all like, taller than Bill. Believe me, right? It gives, it gives greens to how big bill is because he's an offensive lineman and a five eight three quarter o lineman my god that's a big boy he didn't say how much he weighed did he no 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 the bulldozer the bulldozer that's right and uh so now we've met all of our nine i guess eight angry men it's time to get talking about this fancy new mower because the big reveal is about to happen and uh hank's all ready to see his Mason fifteen hundred underneath that veil. Twenty five hundred. Well, no, Hank thinks it's going to be the fifteen hundred. Oh, he does. He thinks it's just. He's like, oh, that's my mower. mower. Uh, That's my fifteen hundred. And then uh, the uh, the moderator 
pulls the veil, and they see, and they're all very excited to see this fancy purple and. It looked like Liberace's mower. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it what I thought. Like purple. Nice callback. Uh, and then Hank starts reading the pamphlet on it. They call this progress. They've pushed out all the mower to make room for cruise control, zero turning radius, featherweight space-age polymers, optional rear bag attachment, Tommy Hilfinger sports package. <laughs> Tommy Hilfinger. <laughs> Who's that? I like that he says space-age pol- polymer. Like, I feel like that was like in tune with the times. <laughs> Nothing. Are you laughing at Dumpy Fishwife? Yes. <laughs> That's what he called Peggy. <laughs> oh. That's... Oh. When? I was like, I couldn't hear what he oh, said. Okay. I was like, what the fuck did Cotton say? Oh, yeah, because... Oh, okay, yeah, because... When? Well, he no, called listen, listen. ex-wife a Dumpy <laughs> No. What listen. episode? Hank, this one. No, he so, doesn't. What's he call her? No, he listen. calls Hank's mower a dumpy fishwife. <laughs> oh, I thought he said Hank's wife. No, he's like, I, I like the mower. It's got a lot of nice curves, like a pretty young woman. Hank's mower's like a dumpy fishwife. Oh, I thought that Hank just, I thought he was just, I guess I just heard Hank's and wife in the same yeah, sentence, and I just thought he was ragging on Peg. And uh, I like that uh, Cotton's not the only one ragging on Hank. It's Con as well. And uh, I get a I get a little twinge of like remembrance to him at the the funeral for Buckley, and the passion that he felt for Buckley aligns with the passion that he feels for this mower because they both make Hank unhappy. I love this mower so much, my my heart right there. hurts. Why? Why do you love it so much? Because Hank here will never be able to afford one on his meager salary. Wreck. Such an ass. Yeah. <laughs> Caught is the worst. Toby Huss versus Mike Judge. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was totally thinking that when uh, when Hank finally loses Cotton and opens the door to the thing, and Cotton just says, like, I'm everywhere you don't want or everywhere you want to be. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was just thinking, like, that's just Toby Huss is yeah. there to this, antagonize. This is Hank. supposed to be Hank's, like, summer camp. Like, I'm getting away, and then all the bullies show up. I am everywhere you want to be, Hank Hill. (laughs) (laughs) It's too good. And people he wants to see in the... Exactly, exactly. It works out good for us. At least for Khan. Uh, Khan can do no wrong in my books. But following... It's not often we see... Well, we don't see many episodes of Khan and Cotton. No, we're not. Together. It's usually one or the other. Toby House is working overtime. He's Mm -hmm. He's getting paid this episode. Yeah, I think minus like the first episode where... that they meet. Yeah, exactly. But they're only there just just to make the joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, following oh. Cotton belittling everything Hank loves and holds dear, we find Bobby and Luann, and they're at the ice rink inside the Six Malls over Texas, and they're about to take on what they set out to do. And um, Luann kind of stutters for a second. She stops. She pauses before they hop onto the ice and. It's a different change of tone as what we've seen before since Buckley's unfortunate passing where Luann was nothing but angry, especially when her hair was still short. She'd be like, you know, we weren't meant to be. That's why he blowed up. But now she's got this super remorseful, like she's got, she's super sensitive to it and she doesn't think that she's ready. Maybe it's too soon since Buckley's not getting any dead or Luann. 
It's time to move on. Yeah. Let's go. Are you all right? It's just that they're playing Buckley in my song. Hey. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Bear, can you tell us a little bit about that jam? It feels like I'm at a junior hockey game. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You can't escape the fucking song. Most people know it as the Hey song, but do you want to take it away? Yeah, so Buckley and the Grand song. It's a Gary Glitter song called Rock and Roll Part 2. So Gary Glitter, born Paul Francis Gad. Gad, hey. Gad, he yeah. wasn't really born Gary Glitter? No. <laughs> he wasn't so, even born Gary. <laughs> Who the fuck point. changes her name to Gary? It's got a good ring with the glitter part. It does. It does go to his ego. <laughs> so born May 8th, 1944 in England. He was very successful in the 1970s and 1980s, but he turned out to be a very bad man. <laughs> oh, very really? Bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember this what shit. What did he do? He was convicted for possession of child pornography. Ooh, Gary. Yeah, so we don't want to go too far into that, because no. he's a very gross man. He's in prison right now for 16 years. <laughs> like, right, right now? Right now, as we speak. Oh, yeah. He still so, plays uh, I music. Remember when he, Why I the remember fuck did you say this before we all said, hey, at the beginning of the episode? I feel I like I'm an accomplice. <laughs> I thought you did. I did. Don't worry. Don't worry. We aren't going to pay him any royalties. Yeah, when he gets yeah. out of jail, we'll kick him in the beanbag. Uh, I don't know if he'll make it. He's pretty old. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, hopefully he doesn't. Yeah, 2015, he was convicted in jail, so 16 years. Isn't he in, like, a, th- like a Thailand jail or yeah, something? He, I think oh, he's in Thailand or Cambodia. man, this is getting worse. If I know my Thailand legal like... system, which I do. <laughs> <laughs> from, from what I remember of it was that, like, he was going over there to be a fucking pedophile weirdo and then like he got arrested over there yeah it makes sense yeah Um, fucked up holy fuck cause like I was just like I did a little bit of Gary Glitter research but like mine was on how funny it looked to watch him perform this song live cause like everybody in the band is playing music and he's got the microphone and he doesn't have any lyrics except for hey. And, like, he is uh, dancing around definitely high on lots of drugs. And, like, uh, the video that I was watching is it's that, the like... the 70s, baby. Quit being a narc. Okay, well, whatever. I'm just saying that, like, I can see his fucking jaw going. And I, like, was watching. And then there was that part where it's, like, the... Uh, the hey, hey, that's the verse. The verse. And so he was finishing the verse. And then it was, like, another one, like, he, he was getting really excited. And then he did like a little jump and he fell backwards into the drum set and like got up. And we've all been there. (laughs) We've all been there. I I have a video of you. But, but, uh, and it was just funny because like you can hear other people in the crowd just start laughing on the camera, like on the, on the clip. Uh, so that, that was good. But, uh, I had no idea about his extracurricular. It's funny. Uh, I, for, I forgot about that because, um, it wasn't that long ago, maybe a year or two ago. I was listening to a fuckload of Jerry Rafferty. And my mom had somehow got Gary Glitter oh. and Jerry Rafferty confused because they're both like uh, European. I think I think Jerry Rafferty is Scottish, but like you know, pretty mm. similar of the same ilk. And she was like, "Oh my god, like that fucking yeah, he makes good songs. He's a fucking pedophile." I was like, "What?" Gary. And she did a quick Google search. And she said, "Oh, I was thinking of Gary Glitter." So at the end of the day, I can promise to all you listeners out here, we will not be adding 
Rock and Roll Part 2 to our Spotify playlist. Because <laughs> we want to... Well. No, we're not supporting these fucking jobs. No, we got, we got... I got some good news We can totally... That. We can do it. And you know what? I suggest everybody go and listen to it a yeah. lot. Oh, just the proceeds oh, go... Oh, where fun. does it go? I got some good news about that. Thankfully, he does not receive any royalties from oh, the label. Okay. Since 1997. And this King of the Hill episode came in 98. So he does not get any royalties from that. Nice. So let's all have a round clap for that. And the song's been used in many shows, including many. the new yeah. Joker movie, and people were worried that he'd get a shit ton of money from that, but he will not receive a dime. Mm-hmm. That's good. No doubt. Thanks for uh So yeah, we totally can put it up on Spotify and listen to yeah. it. Have everybody listen to it. So <laughs> someone who's never even heard the song will get paid. Hell yeah. If you're from Canada and you haven't heard this song before, fucking go to a hockey game. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's junior. Everybody knows that song, right? Yeah, everybody knows as far as I know. It must be at basketball games and shit, too. It's mm-hmm. everywhere. I think it's bread and butter was definitely It was hockey, hockey for sure. Yeah. I yeah. Like, feel like it was in some movies, too. Maybe Slapshot. And maybe. I mean, like, I don't have any proof, but I bet you it was... No, there's the... only one song in Slapshot. <laughs> And it And was. it's all right. <laughs> Trying to listen to the fucking song. <laughs> That's a good song. But when I hear that song, I just think of like You every... don't think of Slapshot? Seriously? No, not... not. I'm thinking... I'm talking Gary Glitter. Oh, okay. I just think of like movies like Martin Lawrence in that basketball one. or like Oh, uh, Rebound. Golf, yeah, Rebound or like Golf Punks or just like any kind of kids sports movie. Golf punks. Yeah, is it not in fucking Happy Gilmore too? I feel like oh, it's, I feel like it's, I mean, in that it's just movie. like if you got a sports movie and you like it's gonna be in there somewhere. It reminds me of hockey. I think of sitting at a Clippers game. Well, yeah, fair enough. But I mean, all sports. Uh, but anyways, moving on from uh, Mr. Glitter. Thank you so much for that. Uh, that was some good shining light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. there. Uh, where are we now? Well, it's uh, it's back to our local handyman. But this time, we're following... What's Peggy, the D-plot? Oh, yeah, I guess we do get to check in with Peggy. She's a B-plot. What's she up to, Ray? Oh, yeah, so she's getting her shoe fixed. And like they said, when you got a size 16 shoe, it's taken uh, four times as long. <laughs> yeah. So I like how long, from the five minutes to fix a regular shoe, it can't be that much longer to fix a bigger shoe, but <laughs> it just it's... makes more fun at Peggy, which we can all get behind. <laughs> it's just glue, more glue. So she didn't get much shopping done when she was waiting for her shoe. I don't know why she didn't just buy new shoes. Actually, you can't buy new 16-size shoes anymore. Well, yeah, because she's got go to go. There's a whole she episode goes, about it. stateside to buy shoes. Well, I was wondering if... Uh, if also part of it was that like she had to argue with the guy, was why like he, haggle with well, him. Well, he was like, "Oh, that'll be about five minutes," and then she's like, "Well, actually," and he's like, "It's gonna be a few hours." <laughs> yeah, and then that's like, why I, like I doesn't thought, wake her up when he's done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I also want to mention. I wanted to mention earlier. Um, I think it's funny and annoying that the second, like the day after Thanksgiving, she's got a Christmas sweater on. Oh, like, yeah. with the, the candy cane yeah. leg yeah. button it's on. Like, it's like. That, like, in Canada, it's like it doesn't happen as often. But there you see those things where people say, like, the second Thanksgiving's done, it's Christmas is out of the, like, everybody's setting Christmas up. Yeah, yeah. And that makes sense in America. But here, our, our Thanksgiving's in October, so, like. Yeah, like, the we still got second. Halloween. Yeah, let Halloween <laughs> happen, dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, like, you see Christmas decorations in the mall, like, in, in six malls over Texas. But Peggy seems to be the only person who dress the part oh and she's excited too yeah and like well she did spend the whole night clipping coupons 
Hands, so she, she fell Did she get to use any of those coupons? Fuck no. She's just getting Dallas Maverick stuff? <laughs> yeah, she's... Doesn't even sound like she's gonna get any Maverick stuff, because, like, the mall's closing. Yeah. But she's, anyways, we'll she's get... She's gonna get Dallas head. Stars stuff. Too bad the Texans were in team yet. <laughs> but uh, then we, uh, we check back in with the research focus group, and Lane Prattley is getting up close and personal. With the Mason 2500. He's running his fingers along it, talking about all of its attachments, and that's where you make your money. He's not wrong. He's really not. And and I like that uh, you mentioned it earlier, that he's always just trying to make the sale. And then when he sees a quality product, he's just like picking out its features and saying, like, if I had to sell that, everybody that left my dealership would be yeah. leaving with the, the, the optional bag uh, behind their ass. And then... Uh, Bill is just like, hey, I've been hustled before. <laughs> you know, well, you sold me pinstripes for my escort. No, 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 no. Let me explain to you. I financed you pinstripes for your escort. Finger mm. guns. <laughs> finger guns. He's Bill killing the finger, the finger guns. guns. I love it. Bill gets so, like, he's so cowards to them. <laughs> I love Bill has no idea what to say after both interactions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny that, like, I read a thing where it said the newest model of uh i think it was like shelby uh mustang the ford mustangs um it cost you ten thousand dollars if you wanted racing stripes Jeez, what the fuck? yeah do they make you go faster uh you have to pay you have to pay more insurance oh of course but no seriously like it was ten thousand dollars to have racing stripes like that that's ridiculous that you That's get ridiculous. Find a Mustang. But, uh, of course, uh, after that comment, the the moderator starts to kind of try and wrap up this focus group. So if I'm hearing you people, this mower has surpassed your expectations and quite possibly your dreams? <laughs> and, and that guy's trying to get his paycheck early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like his positive outlook. Is, it, is this when he all when everybody puts their hand up to see if they like the mower? Well, we're just a bit Almost. before that. We're like, okay, we're Hank's speaking for everyone. Where he's like, well, we ha- we haven't you haven't talked to everyone yet. We hate it. And he's like, right, Bill, right, Dale, right, Boomhauer, and they all no, have their right, own. Rusty. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Rusty. <laughs> How about you, Rusty? Rusty? Rusty. <laughs> oh, Shackleford. Thanks, yes, I am pro mower. What? I like I am, the ashtray. That's the gas cap. Don't be an idiot, Dale. That's the gas cap. He's an idiot. He can use it however he wants. <laughs> Thank you, Colonel. <sighs> Thank you, Colonel. He's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh fuck! Yeah, this is good. <laughs> it's Ryan, really good. Did your dad get a new lawnmower solely based on the cup holder? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Once he knew that he could have his beard not in between his legs, <laughs> he was a sold. It that is hilarious. We have a we have a like on on my mower. I got a cup holder, and it is just glorious. Is it aftermarket? No, it's like stock. It's set in, yeah. It's like, but oh, it, yeah. it the unfortunate thing is, it's a bit back, and like. You gotta reach? <laughs> I gotta reach, but not only do I have to reach, I don't have the optional back bag. Uh, so, like, I just spew clippings everywhere. I gotta oh, be get, really careful. Get, get some shrapnel in the beer. It just tastes better. It's <laughs> good for it. Get some greens in your diet. <laughs> and it's funny that you mentioned that your that your pops didn't want to have the, uh, the, the mower because his beer is in between his legs, right? 
I don't know, Hank, man. Well, maybe they'll, they'll get naked on that damn thing, man. Well, he might old little vibration might feel good, man. So you're in favor of the mower, Mr. Boomhauer? Man, they don't they, they, they listen, man. <laughs> <laughs> Boomhauer was talking about shagging on his mower. <laughs> I fucking, I love the interaction between the moderator and Boomhauer in this episode. Like, the moderator just really wants to understand him. And he's just, he's trying so hard, and, and, and Boomhauer is just... Boomhauer. Yeah, and just listen. Yeah. And it's just, it's so good. And he just deletes, like, yeah, the comment, yeah. like, on his, on his computer. But back to the episode. Uh, right now, we're basically seeing uh, the mutiny that Hank's facing uh, with all of his friends. <laughs> and the most unsuspecting and, you know, the one with the least amount of backbone ends up speaking up as well. No! Hank, you have been speaking for me for, I don't know how long. Years and years. Well, that sounds about right. Well, starting today, <laughs> William Fontaine de la Tour d'Autrieve speaks for himself. Attaboy, Phil. And <laughs> what I have to say will rock your world. I like the cup holder. It Way is, to go, Phil. <laughs> it's such a proper mutiny because, like, at least... Bill, we knew we know for a fact that he was only invited on the premise that he would agree to everything Hank says, and we can assume that Dale and Boomhauer was under the same pretenses that yeah, totally. you can come, go get your fifty bucks, we'll hang out for an afternoon. Uh, on you a gotta lo- agree with you, yeah, you gotta say. agree with saying, and that's everyone... why Dale was practicing earlier. You're gonna kill that yeah. focus group, <laughs> and everybody just turns their back on him. And I mean, Boomhauer. You know, he can swing. He's on workers' comp. Bill, yeah, he can yeah. swing. Like, tell like Thanksgiving weekend, you could probably stay home. You know, families around. <laughs> it's a long weekend. I, but... I, I bet your red corns got him this weekend. <laughs> but the one difference, um, I mean, there's many differences. But American Thanksgiving, they do it so much better than ours. Mm-hmm. Ours is either you get the holiday Friday or the holiday Monday, three day weekend. They get Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday every fucking year, and they get treated to three NFL games on Thursday. Those Thursdays are sweet. We need to move our Thanksgiving to a Thursday so the Friday is an obligatory day off. This this actually works because our mothers, or our our mom and dad, used to go away um, at Canadian Thanksgiving. And they would go away, and I we would have no Thanksgiving really, because all the rest of our families are have their own families, and so we would just sort of do nothing on Thanksgiving, and then uh, maybe piggyback on a friend or something. Yeah, if you had, yeah. If you, you felt you so usually, inclined. You, I've been Bill more than once. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. But uh, yeah, and then so when American Thanksgiving would roll around, our whole family loves to watch football. So my mom's like all for it, and like, she, like she would make a turkey. <clears throat> You've come to our American Thanksgiving. I have been the Bill, the Wall family's <laughs> American, <laughs> American Thanksgiving. How was yeah. the stuffing? It was garbage, <laughs> <laughs> but it filled you up. <laughs> but it filled me up. But yeah, no, the uh, yeah. So like, my mom likes to like make a turkey on American Thanksgiving and watch some football and, true true yeah. i'm trying to it's adapt that holiday i just i just need a bigger following it's funny i actually met a guy at work who does the same thing they skip canadian intentionally and do american because of the mm-hmm. football yeah and my mom my mom likes it more because she can just invite friends and, and doesn't, everybody's it, it's available. not obligated yeah, to family. yeah. <laughs> that's you can, perfect you can pick people who want to watch football <laughs> and yeah it's great it's pretty good mm-hmm. I think I had my first party when on Canadian Thanksgiving. My parents were away. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice. Just like through through the rage. It's a good weekend of travel. Cop showed up. Yeah, it was great. 
Solid. Um, it was invites only. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you get the long weekend, and like Americans don't, so Disneyland's empty. It's great. Mm-hmm. Did you turn that thing on yet, Dustin? Oh, no. Did I? I don't know. Did you? Did I? I don't think you ever turned it off, did you? I think I forgot to turn it off. Fuck. Turn it off on the last one. Well, sorry, we had a brief uh, intermission one. for whiskey sours. Where are we? Where are we? Okay, I know exactly where we are. Okay, I'll I'll bring us back in. Okay. It's not my line. Uh, I'll bring us back in. So, <clears throat> rock the cash. So all the guys are. So all the guys are voting for this new lawnmower being the, uh, you know, that they approve of it. And Hank's kind of upset because he is saying that you guys just want it because it's new. You think it's improved, but it's not. And he kind of goes towards Cotton because Cotton, uh, he has uh, – because Cotton, it directly relates to the way that he treats Hank's mother. And that's when Hank starts to attack him. And, and Cotton, of course, being as quick-witted as he is. When something gets old and tired, you got to trade up. You mean like you traded in mother for Dee Dee? I didn't trade your mama in. I trade in ass and value. I scrapped her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to like... Wait, is this the part where... This is now everybody's voting. The guy's like, okay, well, let's have a vote. Like, who's for the new mower? And a unanimous decision will end the meeting. Oh, so wait, the, everybody puts their hand up? I like how the moderator also has his hand up in <laughs> favor of the mower. <laughs> he just really wants this day done. Um, But no, is this the part, seriously, where they're like... Where Hank says, "What do they say? He's a collectible? What's another word for obsolete? Yeah, uh, yeah that, that Bill says up. it's collectible. Yeah. I strongly agree with Hank in this in this part. Uh I like a lot of like obsolete things. Uh I think they're neat and I also agree that like that people just like like when you watch when you see <clears throat> let me redo it. When you see some things be sold as like new and improved and you're just like that's not it's not what I want. It's not like you're just ruining it. Like, I remember when they fucking stopped selling iPod classics for iPod <laughs> touches. And it was like, Less no, storage space. Give me all the storage space, something that doesn't look fancy, that just works with, like, all the music I can ever imagine on it. Mm-hmm. But no, it has to have a touch screen. Mm-hmm. And so you can download And then you games. have to sacrifice all of your memory and the stuff that you want for your music. Exactly. Like, like Hank's pitching that, like, you're going to have to fix this more. It's not going to be as reliable. It's... You're, you're getting rid of all the mower, and you're putting in all these fancy things that don't relate to mowing. Exactly, yeah. Well, the things that you think you want, because they sound great, mm-hmm. cars and do the same thing. I hate, I I don't like newer cars. Like, they're just like... You don't want a backup camera? I mean, the backup camera's <laughs> fine. The backup camera's fine. It's just mostly like, like the style and everything is like, everything's a crossover. Or like... Yeah. It's just like, there's no like, it's like, if you want an SUV now, it's like you pay, like you get a huge one with like a big motor or like, uh, basically a car with a big trunk. Yeah. I I opted for the car with a big trunk. It goes back. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like you're just, you're just tampering with success. Hands up for a vote. Wait, are we voting for (laughs) Hank's mom or the mower? The mower. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> I love how Bill's like smiling and kind of like, like how he was making so... eye contact with Hank. 
He was so worried before, too. Like, he was, like, looking down, like... Yeah, like, like he wasn't going to vote <laughs> when for When he thought party. it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, of course, uh, Hank's the one who doesn't raise his hand, and he says, you know, the flyer says that we're supposed to meet here for three hours and talk about this mower. It's been an hour and a half. Like, uh, we we need to... We need to continue talking about this because my opinion needs to be heard, which again is the exact same as 12 angry men where the person who is saying guilty when everybody's saying not guilty, he's just like, my opinion is my opinion and I'm allowed to have it. I have a right to it. So I don't need to explain myself to you. He's fucking guilty. And that was like, everybody kind of stares at him and is just like, dude, mm-hmm. my come on. Like the rest of us want to, I have a ticket to a baseball <laughs> game. Like, let's go. He was innocent. The, the person yeah. who's, um, Quickly becoming my favorite character is uh, none other than Khan Sufanusam Phone. And he lays down some wisdom to Hank that is, fuck, does it ever make sense at this point? When you little redneck boy, you couldn't defend your mother. Now you compensate by defending your mower. You confuse personal issues with technological. I have father issues too, but this is a good mower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What kind of issues did Khan have with his father? Also, Khan wasn't there at, like, how does Khan know that he wouldn't defend his mother? Because he can hear uh, Cotton yelling. (laughs) And, and, um, and, I mean, like, he's a smart guy. He's a system analyst. Systems analyst. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I was actually really impressed because Hank goes on, uh, I think it's in the clip, but Hank goes on to offer his money for a chance to convince everybody of he offers otherwise. 50 bucks minus expenses yeah <laughs> i'll put up my each. 50 dollars less my expenses if you still like the new mower after i've had my say that works out to over seven dollars a piece put on your tap shoes shirley i'm impressed with uh dale's math because not often is he correct but i guess he's used to dealing with small numbers based on how much he gets paid per lawn uh so it makes sense but the next scene, we check in with our C-plot. Mm-hmm, yeah, and we see uh, Bobby is uh, somehow very good on a pair of skates. I mean, Luann is struggling. She is, like, holding the boards. She's, like, slipping and sliding. And, um, I mean, this probably would have been a better chance to attract men. Like, this helpless mm. uh, blonde woman is, uh, she doesn't know how to skate. Um, <laughs> probably much better than her son yeah who's uh, only a few years yeah. younger than her it's very very strange perplexing Bo- world but bobby's like he's like on one leg he's like wait till dad sees this yeah he's like he's he's soaring and he completely forgot the plan he's mentioning dad so he's no longer she's no longer a single mom and like he's no longer the bait because he's just leaving her out to try <laughs> I, I, I think it's funny because, like, I mean, it's Texas, and the only people who can skate in Texas are on the, the Dallas, Dallas Stars. Stars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but we also see uh, a very strange scene, something that I didn't expect, and it's Dee uh, Dee and Tilly, and they're uh, yes. they're hanging out together, and they're outside of the corn dog stand. The and, lemon shack. Yeah, did you guys see how they make lemonade? Did, yeah. Did, <laughs> did you see the name? That's worth watching. Did you see the name of the corn dog stand? Sticky Doggy Dog. Fresh Stick squeezed Doggy lemonade. Dog. That's yeah, a Snoop shout out. <laughs> oh, it's um, so good. And but, those two young women trying to make yeah, fresh really, squeezed lemonade. Looks like they're churning butter like 200 years ago. Like they're really giving it to those lemons. Yeah. <laughs> but we see um, Dee Dee is trying to reason with Tilly, but 
Dee Dee's kind of an airhead, if you haven't noticed yet. And she's like, it's not that uh, Cotton me. What does she say? She's just like, I'm sorry about all those things Cotton said about you. It doesn't mean anything. He just doesn't like you. <laughs> Which makes sense. And then uh, Tilly, of course, kind of claps back. Oh, I wouldn't mind Cotton's rantings if Hank would just stick up for me. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Hank doesn't stick up for me either. His own stepmother. <laughs> Dee Dee is the same age as Hank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they went to kindergarten together. So, Hank, do you still like finger painting? <laughs> oh. oh my god, that's uh, that's that's too good. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have a very long scene. Yes, we do, and I'd like to open it up because Hank is determined to convince this this panel of men. Uh, to change their mind and not think about the new, but think about the old reliable and how, how many things are valuable as old things. You know, there's old faithful, old yeller, whatever he says. Uh, and, and it's funny because he mentions the Old Testament and attention gets brought to my favorite character, uh, Boyce <laughs> Hubert. <laughs> Thou shalt not kill. Just because a baptism turns into a little drowning, everybody's got to blame somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we get the backstory of the Reverend. But I which... fucking love Billy Bob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's such I, a good drunk. I still, I, I can't believe that's Billy Bob. That's hilarious. No, I... it's good. You can hear it now, though, once you know. We learn uh, about the Reverend's backstory. And then once we learn that as an audience, so does Lane. And when Lane finds an angle, he takes it. What kind of car do you drive? Mitsubishi Diamante. Uh, Hank, if you're just about through here, I'd like to take the good reverend over to the lot. Put him behind the wheel of a brand new, pre-owned Sonata. <laughs> Sonata. Brand did, new, pre-owned. I looked up the Diamante. Um, did Allie drive that? Is that what Allie's car was? She had an Eclipse. She had an old Lancer. Oh, a Lancer. <sighs> the same grill, though. Same I mean, grill. hers didn't have a grill. <laughs> well, if it had a grill, it would be the same. <laughs> With the big, ugly split in the middle. Uh, yeah, she would say that it was a stylistic choice, but yeah, ugly. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, the Diamante. What you got to say about the Diamante? I said, I'm not looking up that shit. <laughs> no imports. It, it, it's funny because uh, then we move over to... Uh, Hank's right-hand man, Rusty. You'll never sway me. I... Am unswayable. <laughs> oh, sorry. Before we move over to Hank's right hand man, Rusty, he's got another angle that he can pull out now is because he realizes that Lane is always in it for the deal, like like you said, and uh, and now he is showing Lane that he's becoming the one that's being sold to by opting in for all of these upgrades and he's the one paying these market or these <laughs> dealership markups and now lane is like wait a second i don't want to be that guy because bill's like now nah, yeah. you're like me i don't think it would have hit unless yeah. bill was like hey you sold me <laughs> mm-hmm. so obviously lane is not going to be like bill hell no and hank Hank's actually fucking like he's really showing his salesman skills here. I guess this, this is the opposite of being a salesman, but the same. I mean, you're selling just him backwards. on an idea. You're selling people on an idea, right? So he moves on to Boomhauer, and it's so funny how he breaks down the most simplest thing that he just happens to have his beer in between his legs. But Hank gets so dramatic about it. He's like, "Where is your beer?" Mm-hmm. He's like, "It's not 
just those heated seats just aren't warming up Boomhauer's can. They're warming up his can of beer. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's like, whoa. <laughs> boom, and, boom, boom. Yeah, house. right. I'm totally on the side of Hank on this one. Like, totally. This, that's right. No, yeah, he's it's right. It's something as small as that. Like, we had a Jeep, and, like, they had the they put the fucking window roller up and downer switches in the center. That's not right. No. Like they did. That's not innovative. That's just no. bad. And I was like, I, I will literally, I will never buy a fucking Jeep <laughs> product because of how horrible that Jeep Liberty was. Like, it was I remember that fucking worse. thing. It had cup holders in the door, so when you shut the door, your coffee went everywhere. The, <laughs> like, that car fuck. was pretty uppity, though. Like, if you wanted to fucking get up there, that thing sped up pretty quick. It had some acceleration. That's what? the only benefit, I would say, of that Jeep. Mm-hmm. But anyways, moving on. He goes by Boomhauer. He takes care of Boomhauer. He goes to our boy, Rusty Shackelford, and, uh... You'll never sway me. I am unswayable. Well, now, uh, our he, good friend Rusty, he's got some chocolate chip cookie crumbs. Yeah. In his eyebrows, Which of all places. Which is a weird place to put them. But, uh, Hank, uh, I kind of was like... I thought it was just a brush-off joke. Like, oh, look, like, you, you, I'd take you seriously, but you look dumb. And so he tells him to go look in the mirror, and that's when we get to get the two-way mirror exposed, which, again, is nice because it's not like it just kind of popped up. It's the second time the two-way mirror has been uh, referenced because the first time... Because, yeah, he acknowledges it. He acknowledges when he doesn't understand Boomhauer. He turns around in the mirror just being like, fucking, what did you get? (laughs) Uh, But, but yeah, so it's nice that now that's been paid off, and it even comes more of a plot point later but now dale is curled up in the fetal position in his chair and therefore swayed <laughs> yeah oh, so he is he's like swayed. he's like yeah. shrieking and it's like <laughs> yeah, he's just yeah, doing exactly. his uh i mean if the door was open he probably would have fled but yeah this was the next closest thing and he doesn't even say anything before hank goes good that's four yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's one more person but um we get a quick scene in between these ones ryan uh, we see, who do we see? Peggy sleeping in the mall, because she was the most forgettable of the episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, is, well, which is a welcome uh, breath of fresh air after last episode. But yeah, Peggy's still snoozing in those, uh, whatever, the podiatry fucking chairs. The, the cobbler's chairs. Yeah. But it also makes me think, I think this also furthered my idea that like the dude was like, oh, it's going to be ours because I don't like you. <laughs> because he argued with her. Is like, he's also... Closing the shutters on her. Yeah. Like, yeah the mall like, is closing. He's and, not waking her up. But he put her shoe back on. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah and she shoe. doesn't she wake was, up. She had her second, she had her shoe on. Makes me wonder, when does she pay him? Like, uh, But whatever. That's a technicality. When she leaves is when <laughs> she pays him. So the next morning. <laughs> She's trying him up. Now we get uh, my favorite character doing maybe his favorite thing, which we've uh, sort of become accustomed to lately. Um, singing 80s songs? Con singing some tunes. And, uh, and second. Rock the Casbah. Rock the Casbah. Sure, we don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> and he falls out of his it. chair. So uh, my question to the clubhouse is that is there any Clash fans out there? Well, I'm a I bit mean, of I'm a bit of a purist. Denim's, I say kind of poser clash. Ryan's, <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's a big clash man. Always has been. Always will be. <laughs> the Clash are my favorite band. They've been my favorite band for quite a while. Is there any other bands that matter? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you asked this because the Clash are the only band that matters. Good one. You know who covers the Clash? Dwight, Dwight Yoakam. Yoakam. Seriously? Nice. Oh yeah. What song do you know? Uh, I want you to want me. 
No, that's the sea. That's uh, not them. That's uh, train, train. train in vain. Train he covers train. Covers train in vain. Um, Rock the Casbah is uh, from their 1982 album Combat Rock, which was uh, their highest-selling album, going double platinum in the United States, where it peaked at number seven. It was on the charts for 61 weeks, and in the UK, it peaked at number two, and was on the charts for 23 weeks. Uh, the that was the album sales. The song reached number 17 in Canada and number six in the U.S. Uh, 30 in the U.K. Um, Weird. The single so. only got to 30 in the U.K. Weird. Yeah, but the album got to number two. Weird. Oh, okay. I guess uh, a lot of pure class fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that like it does make me think that, but also it kind of thinks like. Maybe, maybe the the UKers want to hear the full album more than just the song. I have which the, is tasteful. As I fun. do have the single. Very I have nice. the twelve inch single with uh, uh, um, lyric insert. There's a dance. There's a dance song uh, on the B side. Nice. Um, and it also because of that, it also got up to number eight in the US dance charts. Wow. Nicely done. Did you ever see the music video for the song? Yes, I have. Did you know? That there is a spitting resemblance between the car that they drive in that episode or in that music video, and the car that Hank rents in The Company Man, with the big caddy with the big horns on the front. Ooh. Yeah, that's the same car that they drive in that music video. Really? It's, it says like Texas Longhorn limos or something like that on the side in the music video, and it's white colored convertible with the horns on the front. I'm pretty sure the interior color is the same. The the Clash, they're they are my favorite band, and this song is is quite. I mean, this song is great. It's not one I if like honestly when I'm listening to the CD, I, I usually skip this song when it comes. Because you're on. like you've heard it enough. Denim. But I mean, to be honest, I've heard. Yeah. I know you quite well, and I know the Clash has been your favorite band for a very long time. And you're a big music guy, so I know it's a big decision to to name your favorite band. What made The Clash your favorite band? Was it a record? Was it a single? Was it like what was it? It is that it is it is <clears throat> the The Clash are my favorite because they have such a wide array of music, and they take in songs from all over the world. Like, for example, this song is like inspired by the fact that Joe Strummer was born in Turkey. His dad was a uh, uh, diplomat, where like every two years, Joe Strummer had to move all around. So Joe Strummer learned Turkish, English, Spanish, like in his in his family within his family, they were speaking all different languages to each other, and like so he just like took in all this different culture. Hmm. I think part of that also kind of bleeds into the fact that they're the most punk rock band because they started to make like, they started to make hip hop music just because, or like funk music, because like that's what they liked. But then when all the punks were like, oh, well fuck them. Cause they're not real punk rock. Cause it doesn't sound like the damned or like old clash. Like they grew. And if you listen to any one of their albums, especially after give them enough rope, like starting with London calling, mm-hmm. it's like every song on there is different. Like right. they have, they just, they're my favorite because they have songs for every feeling from everywhere. And they're just, they're never the same thing. And it was because of songs like this getting so popular that actually broke them up. Like right. they couldn't, 
they like Joe Strummer couldn't deal with being so popular. Right. Like he didn't know where to go next because they're like so huge. Right. So and you know drugs and lots of stuff <laughs> and he just like he just sort of was like well, after us eighty three which our mom was at. Our mom was at it. Um, he just walked up to Mick Jones and was just like, I don't want to play with you anymore. Hmm. And then and, um, this is kind of related to this song actually. When they wrote this song, it was because he walked into the – Rock the Casbah was just something that Joe Strummer used to say. Like, he, when he was jamming, he would just yell it to people. Like, Rock the Casbah. <laughs> was there anything before that? Um, it was like – no, not exactly. Oh, okay. Um, and then there was another line that he, that he got. But – so he comes into the studio one day, and Nick uh, – uh, Topper Hedden, the drummer. He was playing the piano and recording it. And it was this, that piano riff. And Joe Strummer was like, that's pretty good. And normally, Joe and Mick, uh, they would make the music together. And then they would write the lyrics. Joe right. would write the lyrics. Um, and then uh, this song, he had, like, Nick had all the lyrics written out. And it was like a sappy old love song. And I have the quote here, and I'm going to read it. It is classic. Joe Strummer, like, read the lyrics after uh, Hedden gave him them, and he said, a soppy set of lyrics about how much he misses his girlfriend. Strummer just took one look at these words and said, how incredibly interesting, and then rolled the paper up and threw it over his shoulder, (laughs) (laughs) and then had this song lyrics written in, like, the day. Nice. And then, before the album even comes out, now this is kind of sad, before the album even comes out, uh, Nick hadn't got kicked out of... He didn't get kicked out of The Clash. But Joe Strummer comes to him <clears throat> as a friend, and he was like, he was like, hey, man, like, you're doing... You're having a real hard time with heroin, and, like, we're gonna, we're gonna take you out of the band, so you're not on the road, you're not in this lifestyle, like, you can, you can sober up, and we'll just tell the press that, you know, you've taken a leave, and, like, you can come back to the band when you're all clean and sober. So he leaves the band and thinking whatever. And then the next day, Joe Strummer's all like, oh, I kicked that fucking prick out of the band. (laughs) Fucking junkie. And then the Clash blow up with this fucking song. His fucking song. And he's just like, like there's an amazing movie uh, called The Future is Unwritten uh, about Joe Strummer. And he is in it, and he is bitter. Oh, fuck. I I would be. Oh, he even tells a story about, like, how, like, he just, like, walks into his hotel room, and, like, his wife and Joe Strummer were just, like, in bed together. Oh, my God. And, like, Joe Strummer's, like, in an interview later, he's like, he's like, I would never steal uh, money from a friend. (laughs) Steal his girlfriend, though. (laughs) (laughs) Motherfucker. It's different. Yeah. You fucking guys. Okay. I asked a question. I got a good answer. Yeah, Thanks yeah, for that. No and uh, we're still in the focus meeting. Yeah, we um, are. It's funny because the attention gets uh, drawn over to Hubert again. I don't see or, or like where this is going. Reverend Hubert, I didn't drown that boy. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Hexy's con getting unbalanced on the chair, and then he realizes that the, the zero turning radius. It, Combined with the 
advanced polymers and the rear uh, attachable bay. Everything is going to yeah. make this lawnmower it's too light. The weight's off. at the back, and it's and he just picks gonna... big old Reverend Hubert to be on to be the test drive it. And it's like it's not like he hits the wall. It's not like he hits a chair. The thing fucking does like ten three sixties, spins upside down, flips over, and all ends up on his side. And, and uh, uh, of course, Khan's just like that could have been me. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then says so like, I vain. hate this mower. And yeah. then the cup holder. Explodes. Yeah, and that's that's when Bill hits his limit, and he freaks out because uh, if the cup holder breaks, then this thing's no good. So so Hank's pretty much won over the entire room at this point, except for Khan. Preacher, have y'all still in the baptizing business? I'd like you to drown my boy. <laughs> that quote is so fucked up. It's yeah. so fucked no, up. No. <laughs> like this reverend has always got some PTSD yeah. about yeah. the baptizing accident. And that... Cotton just picks at it and makes light of it, but also insults Hank with it. Like, <laughs> Nobody's wow. safe in this episode. Nobody's safe. Oh, it's fucked. And like following this scene, we see Dee Dee and Tilly. They're still together and looking for the women's washroom. And the door that they're told to open is not the actual door to the women's washroom. It's the door to the room adjacent to the focus room. That's right. Where the, that's the one-way glass. The observation room. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Tilly, of course, is just like upset because she's like, oh my God, he's doing it again. Con is roasting her again. To Khan, yeah. uh, he's saying, this quote's actually pretty fucking sweet. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, Mr. Khan. I like a woman with a big butt. But Tilly was taking advantage of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> that is classic. That is too funny. That is good. That is ruthless. And and it's it's pushing it too far because... Obviously, uh, Hank's upset. Obviously, Tilly's upset. The and only person he can li- find to listen to is Mr. God. <laughs> and uh, and it's nice because in the classic King of the Hill fashion, we get a Hank speech at the end, pretty much rectifying the situation. All right, I've had enough, Dad. Don't you talk to me like that, boy. I'll tell you when you've had enough. No, Dad. My mower is not too old, and my mom was not too old. But this isn't about my mom, and it's certainly not about my mower. It's about a bitter old man who blames everybody but himself for all his own problems. And if you ever talk about my mom or my mower like that again, you're not welcome in my house. Amen. (laughs) You got a fat neck, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Not about his mom or his mower. No, that's right. I like that Cotton... When he does get put in his place like that, it's 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 tough for him to take a loss. So he still finds a way to be his old cotton self in just another another fashion, right? And that's taking it out on Hank mm-hmm. is usually how it goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I like it because the point's proven. He acknowledges it by not making fun of Tilly, and uh, and Cotton still got his dignity because he still had the last word in. Mm-hmm. I, I what did he call his mower? A fishwife. <laughs> Dumpy, D- Dumpy fishwife. fishwife. Well, I noticed one thing. At the, like, the end of Hank's speech, like you just you kind of assume that he's going to go, and if you don't agree with that, you'd think he's going to say, I'm going to kick your ass. 
Yeah. But he goes, you're not welcome in my house anymore. And I, that makes Until up. he finally gets what she wants. Mm-hmm. And it's kind, of, it's kind of funny because, like, it was, It makes sense. It does. Because anytime we see Cotton, it's him intruding on Hank's house first. Yeah. That's where he goes when he's going to get introduced to an episode. He comes to Hank's house. And Hank's a reasonable man. He's a smart man, too. He, like, he knows nothing good is going to come from him threatening his father with violence. You know, oh, like, yeah. he, he's, uh, he killed Fitty Man. Cutting off his household cuts him well, off of Bobby, too, Well, that's honestly probably right? what Cotton... Like, that's going to Cotton's level. Like, that's mm-hmm. what Cotton wants to do, is to, like, tell him how much oh, you kick th- his ass. Yeah, oh, oh you yeah. threaten me? I'll do this, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll so. shoot you I, in the I'll mouth. Catch <laughs> you like a fish. Yeah. So, like, yeah, cut him off from the house, because... Uh... Bobby lives there. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and so, when, when Cotton walks away, we get uh, kind of one of the final words from, again, one of my very favorite characters. Well, I'm not sure if there is a god... Or heaven. Well, one thing I can tell you is your daddy's going to hell. <laughs> That's a wise word spoken. Those are wise words spoken. And then uh, that really brings us towards the closer of the episode. We uh, we see... Oh, when they leave Peggy at the mall. Yeah. And, and Hank says, well, I'll be dipped. Well, I guess Peggy got to ride home with cotton. Huh. I'll be dipped. I'll be dipped. So they go to the mall at 6 a.m. They're leaving and the sun is going down, so it's yeah. But it is the winter, so and it's, it could be six, but it's, it's still a twelve-hour day. Peggy's been. Sleeping. But I mean, also, what mall closes at six in Black On Friday? Black Friday, yeah. yeah. So this awesome. is That's fucked up. Yeah, Peggy's been sleeping for at least fourteen hours. We're led to believe she's dro- nice drooling all over yeah. herself. And but, it was uh, supposed to be a three-hour meeting about that lawnmower, and Hank was pushing for. Hey, you know the... what else was supposed to be a three-hour meeting? <laughs> uh, this tonight, right now. I'm. I was talking about Gilligan's Island. It was a Gilligan's. Island. A three-hour tour. I need another whiskey, uh, whiskey sour. Are you getting more whiskey there, boy? Um, so it sounds to me like we'll we shouldn't drag more. this out any farther, and we. I need sh- another beer. While I get you a beer, let's listen to our final thoughts song. <laughs> Um, I like it. I think, I, I'm like, well, now that you told me it's Billy Bob Thornton, I like it more. I didn't know that. I knew it was Dwight Yoakam because Miles wouldn't shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> the last, like, three months, Dwight Yoakam's coming up. Yeah, you gotta understand your man, bro. Yeah. I hear yeah. I mean, they had a bit of our, both both our favorites in here. You're, you're Dwight, my clash. I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. Especially sung by Khan. Yes. No, I really like this episode. I think that it all ties in well, and it's like a very good, like, just look at the inside of Hank. Like, his father versus his mother, how much he respects both of them, and like, but he cannot stand up to, well, either of them, really. Not yeah. that he needs to stand up to his mother, but... I guess in a sense, he doesn't acknowledge... Either of their needs, I guess. He or their, doesn't, Or their no. wants. Yeah, and I'm taking a lot of this from the uh, unbearable blindness of Lang, where he could, like, it took him so long to, like, understand about Gary. Yeah. But, like, but even just that aside, like, I just think that this episode saying, like, how Khan lays it out fucking perfect with the, like, you like, you... You're mixing up your problems. Your here. mower and your mother, and I, I, I do think this. I think this episode is really good. In my opinion, this is one of the better ones of the season. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, 
send this to our special guest, uh, Ryan. What did you think about this yeah, episode? Yeah, I liked it a lot. There was actually a lot of good chirps back and forth, and uh, it was really funny. You got a lot of con- cotton in there, and... Uh, do we gotta bring out the Canadian dictionary for chirp? <laughs> yeah, have insult. To. That's more of an insult. Yeah, yeah. I like uh, the Rusty Shackleford a lot, and <laughs> Bill had a lot of good moments in it as well. Bill did have some really, really good ones in this episode, but I mean, it's also written by his namesake, so you should hope so. Yeah, but yeah, he was on point on it, and all the get the famous voice actors in it. So, if I'm hearing you people correctly, this episode has surpassed your expectations <laughs> and quite possibly your dreams. Uh, <laughs> I actually really did like this one. It was a nice welcome back to reality from the last one. Uh, it felt I felt very at home watching this episode. We got a nice variety of characters and a good mix of them. Uh, it did seem like a lot of the episode was locked in that uh, that room, but again, that's... That's what they were going for with the uh, with the namesake of nine pretty darn angry men. That's pretty much how that old movie was filmed was within that that jurors uh, or that jury's room, and uh, and so it felt nice that I think it's officially called the juror closet. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well the, the it, that's where that whole film was basically taken. You're fuck. You're fucking fucking with me, aren't you? Yeah. You're a fucking dick. You just made me look dumb in front of hundreds, if not tens of people. Dozens of people. <laughs> dozens of you. Biggest dozen. But uh, but. No, you're here. And, <laughs> anyways, what what I'm trying to say is, uh, Luann, I'm glad that she touched on Buckley because we know how much we love Buckley. I put a lot of effort into my remembrance of Buckley, to, so to have him come back. Uh, in a similar fashion. Have we told nice. anybody about that? Should I don't know like if we have. We should tell them again. Yeah, I made a note to Buckley. I worked quite hard on it. I it's posted it on the YouTubes. It's really good. I'm surprised it hasn't blown up. We were taken down a couple times, but God help us, we are back up. <laughs> we'll be fighting copyrights till the fucking day we're dead in the cold, cold ground. I, I think Kansas probably... Again, yeah. <laughs> I know some people will be like, well, why didn't you do life in a northern town? Well, it's because... It, Dangle dust in the wind, <laughs> baby in the wind. <laughs> no. But uh, anyways, uh, enough about that. <laughs> Candle. You know what I'm talking about. You said but, baby. Yeah, born in this world, man. Baby, goddamn little baby, born in this world. <laughs> uh, anyways, like dust in the wind, candle in the wind. Exactly. Yeah, but what? Okay, so where I was going with this is that I liked the variety in this episode. I liked that it was Hank-centric, and I liked that it was something that Hank was passionate about, and that seeing his salesmanship in action was so powerful and rewarding because, like, you know that, like, what Hank does for a living and what he does in his regular everyday is what drives his passion. Like, that's what that's what fuels his lifeblood, you know what I mean? And uh, so it was really nice to see it. So uh, to wrap it up, I'd say I'd give this episode just over $7 between the four of us <laughs> and a three-hour discussion about lawnmowers. We just had one. Yeah. yeah. No. Give me seven bucks. <laughs> I'm going to speak for myself for once, and what I say might shock all of you. <laughs> I didn't think this was a very good episode whatsoever. Really? Wow. That does shock me. It confused me. Um, not having Gary there and this the total That's absence confusing. of any explanation was strange. I thought Cotton, 
as much as I love him as a character, I thought he went too far and just made he it more it. more uncomfortable than it was funny. He really, um, I will agree with you there. Like he was the definite he bad was, guy. He it was, was certainly the antagonist. It, it wasn't the co- it wasn't a yeah. it wasn't a warm cotton episode, which is maybe why it doesn't have Shin in the title. Yeah, it, maybe it, it just made me uncomfortable, and that's not what I want when I'm watching this show. Um, I, like I love the voice actors, like uh, Dwight Yoakam and Billy Bob. I love them so much. But there was just some like discrepancies in the series. I thought this this episode was a little, just just different. Like like I mentioned earlier, Peggy it's, gets off scot free, um, mm-hmm. and Tilly like that that's too much abuse. Like that is just an unacceptable amount. Like I, it made Hank look like less of a man for just sitting there at Thanksgiving dinner. And uh, you yeah you're right. No you you definitely are right. It it does make me feel more sad uh, for Tilly it it than was, it does it laughter awkward. for the joke. Right. And I like I I think you're you're correct on all those. What I liked about all of that though, is that they threw that drama at this these characters, and they made all of the characters, and they were all featured in this episode. Mm-hmm. I would say, mm-hmm. like, they all shined through with their best qualities. Maybe mine is Cotton, but it was Cotton's. Like that is what Cotton does. He is shows up. He's rude. He's mean. Mm-hmm. Normally, he's like the senile old man that people are like, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he's really causing some, like, trauma. Like, usually there is that slight soft spot to Cotton. Like, the last scene where, or the last episode we saw with him where he flees to Vegas, and we see him at the bar with Jerry Bobby. or Jerry or whatever. Right, and, you know, there's yeah. a bit of humility to him. And, like, this episode, like, he was just, like, he was just... Well, yeah, when he's like, I need to cut Terry or Jerry. Yeah, yeah. And, but he's just pushing and just pushing mm-hmm. and just pushing. And I, did, I just didn't think it was that good. I'm not saying it's a horrible episode. I'm not saying it's my, my most hated one. I'm just saying. I, yeah. So, I don't think it was that great. Maybe we'll see a change in the next episode, which is Good Hill Hunting. Yes. I'm, I'm Chief Runs with Bins, and I'm signing off. Wow, you never sign off. Well, I'm first one to sign off. Everyone else has to sign off, too. Do we? I'm going to do some signing off for all of us here at the Order of the Straight Arrow. So Wait, we... I want to sign off on my own. I'll sign off. This is uh, <laughs> Devin Smoking Hall. <laughs> signing <laughs> out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Dennis. <laughs> uh, I want to thank our special guest, uh, Ryan. From Manitoba Cigarettes. <laughs> I'd like to thank you guys for having me. It's been a pleasure. We'll I'll have be signing you, off, and I'll we'll be have you back again, again soon. Hopefully it's soon. <laughs> uh, so without any further ado, can I get a round table, Wima Tanya? Tanya. You know who we didn't leave Tanya? Tammy Wyman. We've done like ten times. Girl, you taught me how to hurt real bad and cry myself to sleep. Showed me how this town shattered dreams. Another lesson about a naive fool who came to Babylon. Found out that the pie don't taste so sweet. Want to hear more Order of the Straight Arrow? Join the conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpod or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at Utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Yeah! Hey, what's the crap?
going, boy. It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio use in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.